Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. This is the Hagman Report for today. It is Monday, February, or February, yeah. It's Monday, June 25th, 2018. I want to welcome everyone to this show. It's day number, what is it, day number, uh, well, it's uh, well into the Donald Trump presidency. I usually keep track of that. Why did I do that this time? Um, we're seeing we're seeing what I had predicted and I've been predicting for the last five years, six years, seven years, whatever it might be, what the information I'm getting from uh, my source at the Department of Homeland Security inside, and that's the fact that we're facing a civil war. We're, we're Right now we're in a civil war, and it's just a matter of uh, when the shooting starts, where it's going to start. And I, and I covered this on my morning show. I don't intend to cover this more. But in case you haven't heard, I just want to clarify some things through some uh, additional information with respect to Sarah Huckabee Sanders. It's it's amazing. It's interesting. The uh, this was confirmed through uh, her father, Mike Huckabee. And uh, in the event you haven't heard what happened Friday night, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, along with uh, I believe five others, and that would be her husband's family, went to a restaurant in Lexington, Virginia, and they went to eat, and they were. Uh, they were expelled from the restaurant because, of course, of their uh, of Sarah Sanders working for the Donald Trump administration. Uh, ideological grounds, that is. Now, the owner was not present at the time. The owner was called in by the staff, arrived within a few minutes, took uh, Sarah Sanders aside, asked her to leave. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, being the gracious woman that she is, said no problem. Her and her husband left. As a matter of fact, they drove home. Okay. Now, this is where additional information you might not know about this. And I think it's important to, to understand. As uh, after they drove, while they were driving home, the remainder of the party opted to go across the street to another restaurant to eat. M- minus Sarah Huckabee Sanders and her husband. Again, who by this time had enough. The owner of the Red Hen in Lexington, Virginia, who can be seen wearing the pink pussy hat along with her eunuch husband and her soy boy effeminate son, well, the owner reportedly followed the party across the street Assembled what would, would be named a mob, if you will, or a crowd, and continued to harass the remaining Sanders family members, yep. who, by the way, were as liberal as they are. Now think about this for a moment. The, that's the rest of the story that has not yet. I, I don't know if it's made been made public. If it has, um, great. If it hasn't, well, there you have it. 
Meanwhile, you've got Maxine Waters making or urging the left wing, the Marxist socialists, the democratic socialists, um, to harass, and, and I use that word, um, I would say it's more than that, uh, at the very least harass Donald Trump members, members of the Donald Trump cabinet, Donald Trump supporters, members of Donald Trump White House, publicly do everything they can to publicly harass them. Then you have the response, Department of Homeland Security and, and others saying, you know what, it might be a good idea if um, if the people who work or whose faces are known um, to, to the left to carry weapons for self-defense purposes. I told, I, I, look, five years ago, I was on record saying this is where we were headed. My sources from, from DHS said this is where the left wanted to take us. In fact, this was supposed to happen five years ago. If anything, I was too early, I suppose. And my source was too early. But now it begins. We have to be careful that we don't react, but we respond. We have to be careful that we don't fall into traps that, that, that are deliberately set for us. We have to be extremely careful never to start anything. But I would urge everyone to use caution. Prayerfully consider your response. But by all means, don't roll over and play dead. We, you know, we have too many in Washington who are doing that right now, rolling over and playing dead. We have been tolerant for too long. The left says that we are the most intolerant bunch. That, that those being the conservatives and the Christian conservatives. You may tire of me saying this and hearing me say this. The 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 conservatives, the Christian conservatives. We are not intolerant. We are too tolerant. We tolerate too much. We tolerate We tolerate all of this. It's time to stop. In my view, it's time to stop. And, and really, if necessary, if it would come to that point, we must teach those people a lesson. We're not going to put up with this. We're not going to put up with your schoolyard bullying tactics. We're not going to put up with your your um, passive-aggressive approach. It's time to choose your side. Now, in the larger sense, I want to be on God's side. End of story. I mean, that's what that's I that's what I care about. I want to be on the right side of history as well. However, I I need to be on the right side of history we need to stand up for what's right we need to stand up for our rights we need to stand up for law and order we need to stand up for the biblical family we need to stand up for biblical marriage marriage between a man and a woman not between two women two men a guy and his dog a guy and his goat a woman and, and her snake that's not marriage that's perversion that's enough right. is enough
we have to we 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 must now draw an absolute line and and if we have to point that line out to the individuals and say you know what don't even don't even come close to that line that's our line and as a matter of fact we need to move that line and we need to start moving it closer toward the conservative side of things you know what a bunch of bunk when we go when they go low we go high who said that michelle obama what a what a load of crap that is they're always going low we need to take a stand we need to make a stand my 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 belief is there will be blood flowing in the streets of america i've said this i've warned about this i've given you information from the people who are on the inside saying that we've been infiltrated from within for five years i've been mocked i've been laughed at i've been ridiculed so what because those people in my view are meaningless irrelevant or striving for some level of of relevance the bottom line is we are at war and and i guess we've always been at war from within we've been at war with with the evildoers of the people who believe that an unborn infant is a clump of cells they redefine the language to reflect that they lack the morality to reflect that they will take perversion of marriage over biblical marriage they want to ban your rights to free speech but my goodness they get the last word all of the time sanctimonious to the max and those who facilitate them it's time to fight back it really is enough is enough we must retake our language language that has been hijacked we must retake our colors the colors of the rainbow they hijacked that we must retake everything that has been taken from us it's time it's it's time to 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 stop playing defense with things that that are important look look out look how far we have been pushed down into perversity by playing defense you've got you've got marxist communist infiltrators within academia within all of the media within government all because we have not stood up and said not now no not here not now not with us well as you said this is a plan that has been in the the formation in the works for a hundred plus years 
they have been implementing it, rolling it out. I watched a, a little piece on YouTube with Jones in it today where he talked about at the university level, 50 years ago, they've, they've been planning and building up to this where we are today, this atmosphere, this uh, mindset, this ideology. It's the globalist ideology. And if you this read... This is a Frankfurt School of... Folks, look up Frankfurt School and, yeah. and, and understand everything that that means, the, ide- the ideology behind it. You know, I said something this morning, Joe, and I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, you know, many people don't know. You talk about Russian collusion. Many people don't know that as mayor of a town in Vermont, Burlington, I believe, Bernie Sanders had not a, a, a United States flag flying or, you know, hanging in his office, but the flag of the Soviet Union fl- uh, hanging in his office when he was mayor. Bernie Sanders. And, and they're accusing Donald Trump of Russian collusion. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a big joke. And another thing we should mention is a, a book I'm reading, Tavistock Institute. We talked about this on The Daily Show. Peter Chalka, who will be with us later, uh, joined us, uh, is joining us tonight, talked about this on The Daily Show, too. And the details, this conspiracy of how to infiltrate through uh, social engineering and, and manipulation and lies, how to infiltrate a man's mind and even his soul, which is the goal of what these people are doing. But it's ridiculous to see the increase of the the violent rhetoric, the calling for the harassment, the kicking people out of restaurants, this whole attitude, mindset, and behavior, and then to see people like Maxine Waters and other politicians and and you know the the scumbags from Hollywood uh, encourage this stuff, urge people to kidnap their kids, to harass them in the street, to kill them. You're right. It, blood will be in the streets. And then they'll use it. Then they'll blame Donald Trump for his rhetoric as to why the blood's in the streets. And that—that's exactly right. That's what's being set up. It's to, it is for the conservatives and in, specifically for the Christians to bear the brunt, to bear the blame for the blood that will be shed. By the way, um, we will have a video coming up uh, at sometime between uh, eight thirty and nine o'clock uh, p.m. Yeah. during the, the the last hour will be last hour. Uh, Chalka will be on video. Eric, the technician, is away and he'll be back and uh, he, he's needed to run the operation here. By the and, and also another by the way, uh, I'm going to thank uh, John uh, Robertson, our producer. I want to thank Melissa Zacharia, the honeybee. What a gracious lady she is. And Anthony, of course, from Liberty Columnist, uh, for attending the Red Pill Expo. Folks, we've got so much to, so much to talk to you about. Not necessarily tonight, uh, but so much to give to you, so much to show you. Tons of content. Behind the scenes information. And it's, um, tremendous. So, um, but so so hang, so hang in there for that. But we are right now facing one of the most, in my view, the greatest crises in the history of this country in modern times, and we are seeing it unfold before our very eyes. You're seeing the Trump Nazi comparisons, which are just totally absurd. They're they're not just absurd; they're inappropriate. They are indicative of the democratic socialist left either being A, liars, B, incompetent boobs, or C, both of the above. They have got a tremendous ignorance of history. 
and of course they suffer from projection you know projecting their own wishes their own faults their own objectives we've seen this happen you've got rampant lawlessness at the top tiers of the Department of Justice and the FBI you've got a number of things taking place you've got um, you've got Hillary Clinton right now having been exposed by people like Charles Ortel and others and the Clinton Foundation is one of the largest money um, again reportedly one of the largest money laundering operations ever you've got these uh, Bill Clinton, a rapist, in my view, based on all of the uh, accusations, and a predator at that, yet lifted up by the uh, uh, by the pink hat wearing wusses on the on the left. You've got rhetoric that's just beyond. It's actually going beyond rhetoric. It's it's turning into action. And I'm going to tell you right now, if I, I would urge everyone to, to teach your children, teach your spouses, your wives, or hey, even your husbands, but learn yourselves how to operate firearms. That might sound pretty radical, but I'm going to tell you, we are facing uncertain times, and I would not be caught without method of self-defense in this environment. You've got the push for MS-13, the Pelosi MS-13 push. Uh, understand the infiltration, the alien infiltration that we're seeing. These are not children, disenfranchised children from uh, poor Central American countries coming up here looking for a better home. This is a planned invasion by the Pelosi's and the Schumer's and the de Blasio's and all of that mental ilk. You've got, you've got that. You've got the alien, like I said, the alien invasion. You've got the MS-13 gang problem. You've got the um, the manufactured border crisis. You've got the um, uh, the inability of uh, of Congress or the unwillingness of Congress to do a damn thing about what's what's taking place at the southern border. You have, you've got you've got states fighting against the federal government, the federal government trying to to corral the the states. You've got states being engaged in the separatist mentality that we saw back in 1859, 1860, 1861 during the the culmination of the, or the initiation of the Civil War which was not about slavery okay I don't care what Harvard Yale professor tells you it was okay at least it was not only about slavery or its impetus was not rooted in slavery it had other reasons for it but I digress well you know what that's really not a digression because that's the dumbing down of the populace with respect to history and revisionist history Folks, the biggest news right now is that the globalists are are on the run, but as they are running, and just kind of make this a mental picture, this is kind of how I am able to understand this. We can win. We, as conservatives, as Christian conservatives, can win on the numbers. We can win because we're on the right side of history. We're, we're on the right side of the Bible. We're, we're on the right side, in my view, of God. 
But we've got to fight. We've got to stand up. We're not, we're not called to be cowards. We're called to be stewards. We're called to be fighters. We're called to protect what God has given us and protect our God-given rights, which the left, the democratic socialists want to take away from us. And we can't do that by being these lap dogs of the globalists. You, you know, I, I, I thought, I, you know, it's personal, obviously, because we, the Hagman Report, is under attack in many ways. We're being described as a hate group, okay? I wear that with a badge of honor. I, I'm being, you know, sued for defamation and intentional infliction of emotional distress, which happens to be the flavor now. Okay, I wear that as a badge of honor. We're being, uh, there's groups that are going out to our sponsors and saying, don't buy from, or, or don't, don't advertise on their program because th- they are, they are attempting to stir up violence and, and they hate, by the way, they hate homosexuals. They, they hate, um, women. Okay. Okay. That's what you're doing. So, you know, again, they're forcing us to play defense, but we can't play defense anymore because as, as Coach Dave Dobmeyer, who I would model our offensive strategy off of, you don't score any points on defense. You score the points on offense. And God bless that man, Coach Dave Dobmeyer, who's constantly under fire by the SPLC, by Right Wing Watch and other places. Well, I mean, and look at everything you just said. The uh, in the dynamic at play here, you have a small percentage. I'd say small. I don't know what. Maybe a fifth of the American public who uh, thinks for themselves, who looks for the oh, maybe more, maybe close to half, who who searches out the truth, and they're being censored, they're being oppressed, they're being called the enemy by the people who who are the promoters of tolerance, all things tolerant, except uh, Donald Trump and his supporters. It's just so. It, it's a rigged game, and it's set up to destroy everything and anything that's that's good or that stands for good or truth. The truth is standing in the way of their agenda, and the people who support truth and who seek truth are standing in the way of their agenda. Exactly. No, it, it, and it's designed against us. I mean, not only are we marginalized and censored and ridiculed and mocked and sued, but then we're when we call it out, then we're made to be portrayed as the enemy, as the, as the real problem. You know, uh, our speech is the problem. It's not free speech that's the problem. It's your speech that's the problem. It's a lose lose situation. But we got to keep fighting. See, you know, at this point, I will say this: I've been playing nice. We've been playing nice. We're not going to play nice anymore. And that's not a threat, and that's not a bravado statement. What I'm saying is, we, we when I say play nice, I'm talking about, well, you know, um, just rolling over when we get poked and struck. Yeah, uh, we will we will choose what and when to engage. We're not going to react. As I said, we will respond accordingly. But respond, indeed, we will. That's We haven't done that to this point. But in addition to responding, which is more of a defensive posture, we also have to act. 
as, as and again as coach Dave Dobmeyer has taught us and has shown us and has led by example it, it, it's not okay and I'm lumping all of this in because this this is the cultural Marxism that has infiltrated our society this is the socialism or, or just downright communism that has infiltrated who have made bedfellows with with Islam and Muslims and, and hijacked the uh, of course the women's rights movements and and one I think once every, once everyone understands how serious that is yeah in Isaiah I think chapter 29 it says they've made a uh, a, co- a pact with with death and a covenant with hell and uh that it will be destroyed but that these are the people who who made that pact who made that covenant from the people in uh old times in the temple in Jerusalem where uh, the Lord showed Ezekiel all the things that they did hidden uh, the, all the abominations that they did it's the same group of people it's the same mindset the same spirit that was behind you know those priests and and leaders of the of those nations back then doing evil uh, you know in the dark hidden away from from everybody's eyes it's that same mentality and spirit that we have today working in the shadows doing the things in the dark but they're not in the dark anymore they're coming out into the open and now they're being we're being asked to accept that as the new normal accept the evil as a new normal which is unacceptable and and that's that's where the defensive posture comes in accepting evil as the new normal it, 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 when when you say that i i think of well if if well you know what two people do in the in 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 their own bedroom is really none of my business okay um so that's again that's like saying well uh what's the next step from that well having steve and harry get married that's really none of my business you know so it really doesn't affect me but oh it does and it has and, and because what we have now is the normalization in that using that as an example where our schools our children are being taught in schools that harry and steve being married that that's normal quite normal it's 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 not a behavioral problem um they were born that way which there's no scientific proof that exists to support that theory so it's that defensive ideology or the defensive posture that has allowed us to be taken advantage of being too nice and be being too tolerant again i'm using that as an example and we've seen this with every step they even said they give us an inch we'll take a mile and that's what's happening folks you're listening to the hagman report audio only briefly Video at nine. That's right. Joe on the controls. Well, yeah, this mic I'm using too. I don't. I don't like it. I. I, I, I see why Eric doesn't jump in too much. Dispatch mic. Get him right back. Stay with us. Reporting on what the mainstream media won't. You're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on the Global Star Radio Network. Radio Network.
Exposing the New World Order, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on the Global Star Radio Network. Stand by. Doug and Joe will be back shortly. Truth into action, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report, streaming live on the Global Star Radio Network. Please stand by. Doug and Joe will be back momentarily. Back to this edition of the Hagman Report on this 25th day of June 2018. I want to welcome everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for getting your news here, the information, our analysis of the news here on our flagship show, the Hagman Report, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network, BTR, and YouTube. We really appreciate it. We, we really do. And, and you know, I, I spoke earlier on about those people who support us. Thank you for doing so. The, the people who uh, sponsor our program, Thank you for sponsoring our program, and, and I want to welcome one of the, what I believe, just a treat, one of the greatest services in the world, on the planet out there, and I speak from experience, filtereasy.com. Now, we all have furnaces and air conditioners in our homes, I, I would I would dare say, right? And how many times have you, guys, I'm talking to you now, how, how many times, guys, have you forgotten to change the furnace filter, the filter on your furnace or the filter on your air conditioner, and, and, and not realized it and called the heating or air conditioning company and say, hey, you know something, my, my furnace is not working or it's not working right, and, and the guy comes out. And says, yeah, well, no wonder. Look at this. You know, and they, they pull out like, you know, a small schnauzer's worth of hair. Okay. Or whatever. I, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm making light of it, but it's, it's a serious matter. And one thing that I've learned in owning homes, you know, my home, uh, different homes over the years is if you don't take care of your furnace and air conditioner, my goodness, it could be so costly. And the easiest way to take care of your furnace and air conditioner, your HVAC system, is simply making sure you've got a clean filter at all times. It rids your house of smoke and pollen and dust and gunk and whatever else. 
my wife uh, noticed an immediate difference when we switched to FilterEasy.com. She's got allergies and, and boy, you know, stuffy at night and just miserable. Well, FilterEasy.com offers, in my view, the, the best of the best filters out there. And, and you can outsmart your chore list by signing up for FilterEasy. Well, what this is is a subscription service where they'll send you a, a filter for your furnace or air conditioner. You just answer a few questions online and choose your uh, you know, date, like I'll take one every 30 days or 45, whatever it might be. And without having to think about it, your furnace or air conditioner filter will arrive at your door, and that's your reminder, hey, change your filter. It's just that simple. You can sign up in under five minutes on your computer or mobile phone. To sign up, all you need to know is how many air filters your home needs and your filter sizes. It's just that simple. You know, Again, the vast majority of homeowners and renters forget to change their air filters on a regular basis, causing all sorts of problems and money problems. I noticed uh, we had a long winter this year, and it was cold uh, into April, and my uh, heater didn't heat up the house the way that it it usually did, and and sure enough, I had to go change the filter. It was so gunked up, but you'd be surprised, you know, five-degree difference from having a a clean filter to a gunked-up filter, and that makes your furnace work so much harder and so much more electricity and just a simple fix. I've got to hand it to FilterEasy.com. FilterEasy.com, because they've made my life a lot, a lot better. They've made my wife's uh, uh, breathing a lot better. You know, re- routine replacement of home air filters is—it's one of the primary means to improve air quality. Now, when my wife dusts or when I dust, yes, I dust, and um, even you know, clean furniture or whatever, I notice a difference. Uh, the air, the changing of filters really makes a difference in keeping the dust off and keeping the grime out. And, uh, clinical, clinical studies demonstrate that air filters sufficiently reduce particulate matter and allergens, indoor air pollutants, uh, resulting in reducing respiratory and cardiovascular symptoms and even preventing disease progression. Let me tell you, it works. So here's what you need to do. Filter easy. It's a convenient subscription service for something you need, as opposed to something that, you know, you don't really need. Oh, you need air, you need furnace and air conditioner. Believe me, you need them. Oh, yes, you do. For listeners of this program, and remember, support our sponsors because that keeps us on the air in part. Okay. But for listeners of this program, Filter Easy has given a gift to us to pass along to you. Your first order is free by visiting FilterEasy.com. Now, you can call them, if you have a pen handy, 855-910-EASY, 855-910-EASY, 855-910-3279. You can make sure you use offer code HAGMAN, H-A-G-M-A-N-N. That's a requirement for your first order free. That's FilterEasy.com, offer code HAGMAN. Sign up today at FilterEasy.com to get your first order free. Once again, that's FilterEasy.com, 
Offer code Hagman or call 855-910-EASY. And again, make sure you use offer code Hagman. Welcome, FilterEasy.com. So glad. And, and what a great service that is. Now, real quick, um, Joe, I know you're on the you're on the uh, uh, spaceship mic. I, I know that, so it's kind of yeah. a weird thing for you. But got to hold a button down to talk. Yeah, yeah. It, it's imagine. I, in fact, I when I was EMS, when EMS back in the seventies, that's the mic that we used, and it was intentionally done by uh, Eric the Tech uh, for that retro feel, retro look, and retro sound, but uh, not not thinking we would use it for a primary microphone. Um, but the, uh, the left ring, the left wing writer right now, consider this, suggests anti-Trump protesters, anti-Trump protesters should carry out domestic terror attacks. This is where we're at today. I told you, I told you, I told you. Okay. Yeah, there was a uh, little documentary I started watching over the weekend that was on Netflix. It was about the uh, Charlottesville uh, incident, but it was something along the lines of uh, you know the the far right and, and racism. And this uh, lady who was of Arab descent went with all these white supremacists, and they're given all the details about the Charlottesville thing, how it was the biggest uh, event the white supremacists had organized in years, and it made me think we. You know the the, the racism issue. It's uh, it's created. It's it's not really there. How many days uh, in each one of your individual lives uh, that you've lived? How many days have you encountered anything where you've seen somebody be racist or where it's it's ever even popped up? So, but the whole point I said that was to say, uh, you know, they they laid out all these facts and then they go on to blame Trump's rhetoric in this documentary and basically say he supports white supremacists. But they're conflating the uh, issue of nationalism as being uh, a white supremacist and you know the it, it when this war whatever happens whether it's a false flag they're going to as you said they're going to blame it on the right they're going to blame it on the speech of the right they're going to blame it on Trump and the rhetoric and the supporters and they're already calling for violence and kidnappings of of uh you know people who support Trump i don't even like to call call them right wingers or i don't even well, know what well, we call yeah, them but yeah i mean listen well listen to this i just want to finish that the right wing uh the, the i'm sorry the far left wing columnist for a website owned by Univision, suggested that the that the next phase of the anti-Trump resistance should take the form of domestic terrorism. Now I'm going to segue back to what you just said just in a minute here, but there's there's an article titled "This is just the beginning." A guy by the name of Hamilton Nolan. This mope writes, "This is all going to get." more extreme, and it should, remarking that Trump administration officials should not be able to live their lives in peace. Yeah. Okay, now think about what he just said, wrote. But yeah. Yeah, they, okay. they're paying these, these people, these provocateurs, to incite these, these kinds of yes. uh, things to happen. So I don't even think much of what we're going to see is going to be organic or natural. It's going to be done for the purposes uh, to incite that and further that violence. That's right. But it's going to be done by people who are who are doing it with that intent in mind, and now, maybe possibly being paid to do it. But okay, so so going back to what you said, um, there's a website called Very Smart Brothers. Dot 
theroot.com. Okay. I'm not going to even say that name again, nor am I going to link to it. But the title of this is 40 Ways White People Say White People Without Actually Saying White People. Okay. Now, did you follow me on that? 40 Ways White People Say White People Without Really Saying White People. Yeah. Okay. Now, you, you, what do they call that on the news? Uh, uh, when they say he's, uh, they always say that Trump is, um, giving hidden messages through what he's saying. Well, okay. Uh, dog, so, whistle, dog whistling. Well, right. Now, now, now listen to the, really, there should be 40 words or phrases used by white people, meaning white people without really saying white people. Now listen to these 40 words or phrases. Number one, Americans. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, number two, real Americans. Three, middle America. Four, working class Americans. Five, patriots. Six, Europeans. Seven, Southerners. Eight, Midwesterners. And then it goes on, Millennials, Christians. So Christian is a secret word for white. Yeah. White yeah. power. <laughs> is it, well, no, it's, it's another way of saying white people. Okay. Um, the majority of Christians aren't even white. Christians as a majority are uh, of non-white descent. Uh, middle, middle class, management, law enforcement, hardworking Americans, the upper middle class, the upper class, citizens, taxpayers. See, if I was a black guy reading this, I would be angry at the writer for suggesting I'm not a hard worker, I'm not middle class. I'm, right. I mean, you talk who, about an who says, insult. Who says hard worker? You know, that guy's a hard worker. Who thinks about anything to do with race? Does that ever come to your mind when somebody says, the, you know, he's a hard worker? No. No. No, but they no. now you know they're they're planting the seeds, and 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 I, and I look again. I, I monitor to, to probably to my ill health. I monitor websites, sewage underground. I mean, Democratic underground. You know that that, that are applauding this. What's wrong with you people? I mean, something's wrong with these people, in my view. It's a mental disorder. You know, people joke and say, uh, you know, liberalism is a mental disorder, but really it's a spiritual disorder. That's what's wrong. It, it's, it, it, the it Lord is. is hardening their hearts. Yeah. Because they've been wholly turned over already. And it's, it's a spiritual issue at nature, like it's always, it's always been. Well, it, it, you know, it's crazy. But by the way, uh, the lineup for tonight, nine or eight o'clock or top of this uh, next hour, Gon Shamira from Face Like the Sun. Then Alex Newman, LibertySentinel.org, and then, of course, closing it out with Peter Barry Chalka. But, um, you know, I was, uh, Maria Canise, the author of the book Prepare for Persecution. Boy, you, folks, that's a great book, by the way. It's available on Amazon, Prepare for Persecution. I was, I was fortunate enough to write the foreword to the book. Um, she was in touch with, with somebody, a very, I, I know who she's referring to, but very high up once in the in the military. I'm not going to give his name or rank. I, I'm just not going to do that. But um, Maxine Waters, impeachment. She should be impeached. Now, some are calling for her uh, investigation. But, look, you've got Maxine Waters out there. 
folks, I, you know, I, I don't know it, how you all feel, but man, I'll tell you what. This weekend was a tough weekend for me as I read through the headlines. Yeah, and it's not just the see the Maxine Waters because she's a politician. It gets all the publicity, but the, the rhetoric on Twitter from some of the uh, more popular people in entertainment in media is far worse than what she said. What you just read, what you talked about about uh, you know these these people should be hunted down, that they should be assaulted, they should be kidnapped, they should. They're calling for the the rape of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, of, of DHS Secretary Kristen Nielsen. Celebrities saying, I hope somebody rapes you on Twitter. And they're getting away with it. But, you know, you call them uh, a jerk for saying that. You you, you reply to their tweet uh, of them calling for a rape of, of the head of the DHS. You call them an idiot. You get banned. Their tweet stays up, but you get banned. It's kind of the same thing as in, in Europe. What they did with the hate speech laws, you know, you have uh, this mass Muslim uh, invasion, and and you have this huge explosion in sexual attacks and terrorism, and you report on those increases and attribute it rightfully, you go to jail. You're not even allowed to criti- criticize those who want to kill you. That's what they're trying to do here. The leftist democratic socialist hatred is going to inevitably turn into violence. You've got a coup d'etat right yeah. now with uh, the special counsel. You've got deep state uh, uh, people within the deep state who are planning to invoke the 25th Amendment for the removal of Donald Trump. You've got, um, uh, what else you got going on? We're see, the the question war. is, is uh, <clears throat> excuse me, with the Civil War, you have the, the left side of this, and they're targeting... The supporters of Trump, the people who are promoting this agenda of, of Trump's, the American agenda, wanting a constitutional republic. But, you know, we're always on the defensive. Say we went on the offensive. Well, where would we go to? I mean, where would we go take the Civil War to? Well, you'd have to take it to the people who are responsible for creating it. And it wouldn't be your neighbors or the dupes that fall into the, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But that's the way they want it. And if everybody would just come together and, and go, uh, take care of the problem, at the root of the problem, it would be it would be solved much quicker, but it's not going to happen like that. But uh, but but here's the thing: we do need to keep our heads about us. Those people who are responsible, American citizens, uh, patriots, uh, conservative Christians, we need to keep our heads about us. We need to understand what we're dealing with. That that um, and I said this morning too, when someone says that they're going to kill you or hurt you you know it would be you should take them at their word i mean that's what i believe um and we're seeing that now on a larger scale we're seeing the media as well being a facilitator to stir up this hatred this venomous vile vitriolic hatred not just against president donald trump but but his supporters and remember hillary clinton the basket of deplorable statement and and you might think well all of this is just rehashing everything else but is it really because even since last week so much has changed hasn't it now we've got uh, we've got an ever-changing evolving playing field and we're, we're, I'm, I'm telling you right now, we're seeing the um, the Soviet tactics being used by the democratic socialists at the highest levels of the permanent state playing out against Americans and American people. 
And then you've got, the, again, the media facilitating the demoralization, uh, ignoring President Donald Trump's accomplishments despite the fight every day that's being waged against him. Um, and then you've got the Christians, some Christian ministers or self-proclaimed Christian ministers, whatever you're going to call them, calling Donald Trump out for being uh, some sort of uh, um, anti-Christian kind of leader. Uh, okay, uh, I don't know where that's coming from, but but, but you've got this this infusion, this infiltration of the uh, of the Christian community. And, and it's a mess. It's a mess right now. It, it really is. So I go back to what I said last week and what you, which you mentioned or questioned today when you came into the office. When, you know, when does the shooting start? Where's it going to start? What's it going to start over? <laughs> the way I look at it is, uh, you know, we're already in, in a war between amongst ourselves. It's just a matter of time between that war turn you know, before that war turns hot. Um, but but you know, again, if you if uh, I know the first five minutes of the show, uh, I think might have had some audio issues, but I just want to mention that Red Hen restaurant in Lexington, Virginia, who turned away Sarah Sanders and party of I think party of seven in total. What I, and I don't know if this is being reported. I think it is now finally being reported, but. After she was asked to leave that restaurant, the owner of the Redhead restaurant asked her to leave. Her and her husband got in her car, got in their car, and went home. The other, the remainder of the party, and and it's my understanding that the majority of that party, the five remaining, were were pretty much left of center liberals, anti Donald Trump people, went across the street to eat. Well, what the owner allegedly did. After she kicked out Sarah Huckabee Sanders and her husband, she ginned up a basically a, a mob of protesters and went after, not knowing that, that Sanders had gone, and went after the remaining people across the street. So this was not just, hey, I'm not going to serve you because of our ideological differences so get out of my restaurant this was this was something much more than that's being reported and is that the side you want to be on is that is that is that really what you want to do I mean, this is the latest example, but we've seen, uh, and this just shows the extent of the derangement that are in these people and the hatred that these people have. But there was a story a few months back where a guy took his two daughters to buy an ice cream cone and they were like eight and 11 and they were wearing, uh, you know, make America great again shirts. And some, uh, you know, 40 some year old lady who ended up being a teacher came in their face and started screaming at him about wearing these shirts while they were just taking a walk with their dad getting ice cream. And the dad, you know, basically documented the whole thing and, uh, it, it was a kind of an interesting story, but I mean, that's what we're, that's the level of, of hatred and of evil that we're dealing with. Now just imagine, uh, the, the, the permission basically by the media and the establishment given to these people. Well, hey, take it a step further. Don't just yell at them. Take them out. When that when when that's like a, a an approved thing, when they feel that there might not be any consequences for their actions, we need to watch out. Exactly, exactly. 
We need to be as well. We, we need, uh, and I think this is important that we need to be paying very close attention to the uh, continuing on with the IG report, the investigation that's taking place um, about the really the the, um, the everything that happened during the Obama regime and how Obama has weaponized the FBI and the Department of Justice and of course weaponized the IRS but weaponized the, the basically top tier of the federal government against conservatives we need to understand what's really taking place here because a lot of our eyes I mean our eyes are being taken off of that when they should be on that we have to understand that this is this is a war that's that's they never expected Donald Trump to win and and that really you know boy that really caused them some issues now we're seeing of course that um that they're they're trying to get him out of office but this is not just about Donald Trump this is bigger than Donald Trump this is about the movement this is about the uh we 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 have to stop this globalist push this uh deep state push and it's interesting because i had seen what peter uh peter Barry Chalk had sent to us about the red pill expo about uh the headlines in the Spokane newspaper i believe it was a Spokane newspaper about how these the the presenters there were contrarians yeah, yeah. i'll have okay. to open up my email and oh. peter if you're listening uh, have that have that news piece ready contrarians yeah uh, you know anti-semites Cons- conspiracy peddlers you know federal <laughs> reserve haters yeah and see and and see you you may ask why why i often bring up the legal action that's going on look at what jones is going through alex jones and infowars is going through that's no cheap date to be sued, okay? And it doesn't matter if the other side, it's not really about winning, it's about inflicting as much financial damage and havoc as possible, professionally and personally. But my question is, to what end? What do they What do they think the end of all this is going to look the, like? To destroy, see, that's the thing, Joe. It's not about winning, it's to destroy us. It's to distract and but to destroy. But they're destroying themselves, too. No, not really. All they're doing is, is they've got enough time on their hands, they've got backing backing from them. Although, although the, for example, a lawsuit might say, well, you know, so-and-so plaintiff versus, uh, I don't know, Doug Hagman, for example, okay? Um, what people don't get is the backing that the plaintiff will, in the example I just gave, the backing they've got, the time they have, the resources they have. And it's not about them winning, especially because in the case they might file without an attorney, they might file pro se. Well, why is that? Because they don't want to spend money for an attorney? No, because it's a, in my view, it's a bogus lawsuit. No attorney in their right mind would take it. But see, you still have to, you still have to fight it. So what does it cause you to, to, to fight it? It causes you resources. It causes a second you, mortgage or third. And plus, it, it, plus it, it's a very distracting thing, even though you've got attorneys handling it. Again, I think of Alex Jones. I mean, how much is that costing the multiple lawsuits against him? And you might not like Alex Jones. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you like the person or not. Again, these are examples of tactics. And it's about time people expose these tactics. I said it was going to happen. Just like I said it was going to happen with the, uh, with the censorship. 
it's not the people calling for Donald Trump's head on a platter. It's not them that are getting censored for violence and for violating the terms of Twitter or Facebook. No, it's the people who are on the Christian conservative right who are fighting for what is good and moral, who are saying, wait a minute, this is unbiblical. We're the ones that are suffering, but we're the ones that need to stand up and fight. You're listening to the Hagman Report on this, the 25th day of June, 2018. Going to be back with Don Shamir, Face Like the Sun. Stay with us. Back to this edition of the Hagman Report, June twenty fifth, twenty eighteen. We have uh, coming up Gons Shimura. Uh, uh, his website, CanaryCryNewsTalk dot com. Before I get to Gons, I, I want to mention extremely, uh, extremely pleased. Thank you, Marilyn. Thank you, Marilyn R. Uh, she writes, "Yes, Doug." Thanks for calling the social Marxist, the democratic socialist, basically communist. They can call us Nazis, but they recoil at the word communism because they are communists and don't want to be exposed. And thank you, Marilyn R., for recognizing that. Um, I really appreciate that a lot. And others, uh, I'm, I'm not going to read anyone else's name. I'm not sure if I, if I read that name. If, yeah, I'm just not going to read the name, but 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 thank you for the emails and thank you for checking in. Now, uh, Red Pill Expo, June 21, 22, and 23. John Robertson, Melissa, Zachariah, Anthony, um, Cordonaga, right? They were all three there and met with uh, Gons and interviewed him. We don't. We, the the hardware is not back yet to the office due to a couple of missed plane rides. Yeah, I'll just leave it right there, John. Um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, as you said, Gons was there, yeah. and he's got some stuff up on on his YouTube channel, uh, Face Like Face Like the Sun. He's got a video up there live from Red Pill Expo, and uh, he also did a, his own uh, live from Red Pill Expo thoughts on the future of uh, blockchain technology, which was very interesting and was a topic of conversation there. But Gons, <clears throat> excuse me, it's great to have you back on the show. Uh, I've been watching a few of your videos. I got some questions for you, but let's bring you on. How was Red Pill Expo? Oh, it was great. Um, when I first start off, the food was wonderful. So that that was, you know, already worth the trip. <laughs> okay. They fed you? <laughs> yes, they did. But um yeah, no, it was good. Um I think uh, uh first off, thanks for having me on. Um I appreciate what you guys do and uh your team there was uh, great. Uh they were very busy. Um but um yeah the, the expo is great you know the uh it wasn't really promoted exclusively as a, a christian event um but i mean there were plenty of believers there uh people who are awake and aware of what's going on 
Um, you know, I personally expected uh, a lot more, you know, red MAGA hats and stuff like that. There wasn't as much of that, actually, probably, um, you know, only a handful. Um, but, you know, people were, again, having great discussions. Uh, I thought it was a great mixture of uh, politics, education, finances and the economy, uh, nutrition and health. And um, there were even times when the gospel was preached from the stage, which I appreciated. So uh, even though it wasn't exclusively Christian, um, again, plenty of room for that. Lots of people who are believers. And um, but, you know, more importantly, I think going to these events and attending these things, it's important because uh, you get to, you know, surround yourselves with uh, with people, actual people, flesh and blood behind the blogs and the podcasts and the YouTube channels and, um, you know, all the things that we consume um, and we support the, the actual people behind it. You get to fellowship, and it's a wonderful thing. So uh, right. that's that was probably the most uh, the best part about it was you know being able to just hang out with people like minded folks. And well, it, um, it, yeah. you know, it, it interested me um, the day of the the day the episode began. And you probably didn't even see this in the Spokane newspaper, whatever it's called. Um, announced that there were a bunch of uh, contrarians, conspiracy theorists, and, <laughs> you know, uh, SPLC designated uh, domestic terrorists, basically, gathered together. And, okay. and uh, you know, I mean, it was just, a, in my view, it was a hit piece, but but uh, to me, it's anything but that. And any time that uh, yourself and people like you can get the word out there of what's really going on, and and it's yeah. You mentioned it's one thing to listen to a show like this, but it's another to be there and to hear the people face to face and and to see. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's a whole different ball game, isn't it? Yeah, and and to to actually see you know not just the speakers on stage, which is one thing where you get to feel the, the passion and the emotion behind the the research. You know, th- this isn't just a, a joke or a game. These people are putting their lives on the line to you know say what they're saying. So. Um, yeah, I think we're, it's we're all in. to be there in that moment. Yeah, I mean, you're all in, we're all in, everyone there, I mean, we're all in. Um, yeah. This is what we do. And there are so many, you know, it, it, Gonza, it's just amazing to me. There's so many people want to want to rip us down. And so many people who are even on supposedly on our side, on the side of truth, they want to rip us down. What's yeah. going on with that? I mean, I, I, I've never seen... An environment like this before, where yeah, man, it's just crazy. Go on, go on, I, go yeah. Ahead. I think I think um, it, with with the advent of social media, one of the, the interesting uh, pieces of information I got from the weekend, um, and forgive me, I'm not going to remember where I got it from. Uh, it, it was either um, uh, Patrick Wood, I believe it was Patrick Wood, but he had mentioned that between the years of 1900 and 1930 it was considered uh, uh people who flaunted their wealth people that you know uh, showed off their expensive cars and and big houses and things like that they were considered mentally ill which was a very interesting thing to me because we look at culture today and that's what it's all about it's about being flashy and showing off what you got and bling bling and all this stuff and it's part of the fabric of the culture now and so, just consider the reflection of a hundred years and how things can change. Um, I, I don't know, Gons. Yeah. I, I take I take my fourteen year old car. I park it in the space, and I, you know, away from everyone else's car, and I say, just make sure you don't hit the doors. You know, ding the doors. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, well, 
it's a very interesting point. I've never heard that before, that I mean, it was considered a mental illness mental to flaunt illness, your yes. wealth. But it makes sense because back then people lived a much more, a life that was much more uh, closely, that closely resembled that of what the Bible teaches as, as how right. you should live. And they followed a code of morals that, you know, was basically universally accepted and all that has been destroyed. So what, I mean, and it's very subtle in nature how it's done, but yeah, yeah. Uh, those days yeah, are gone I mean, forever. Television. I think the television and the computer screens and everything has really changed us. And, uh, I mean, here we are every day in front of it to work and trying to do positive things with it because that's where everybody else is. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's it's completely different now with uh, the, the destruction. You know, it happened through the family. It happened through the communities. Um, and it reverberates throughout society through uh, things like Hollywood and, and what they perpetrate. And uh, I really believe that, you know, some of the – what the Internet brought was – and I, and I believe the people who built the Internet and even released it, they knew this was going to happen. This occult explosion of knowledge um, was going to take place. And so I think they got ahead of it by um, you know, creating that imagery and making it cool culturally through rock stars and you know, uh, the music industry and entertainment and things like that. So that by the time the information becomes readily available to the public... It, you know, the people who will follow it will follow it because, oh, this is the, the secret knowledge behind, you know, what Led Zeppelin was talking about with uh, the Crowleyan philosophy, and they'll start looking into it, and, and they're all about it, you know, so there's a whole movement happening with, where, you know, people are just following it because culturally it was accepted, and so I, I believe that that in itself tears down, you know, morally, things get torn down from within, and here we are, you know, where people are reacting to short snippets of uh, a post or a tweet or you know a short video and, and making judgments about you know grand judgments about who they are as people and, and everything else um and having a visceral emotional reaction but but i believe that it's part of um just the mk ultra style mind control that's that's become so public and transparent to those of us who have been researching this material uh, doug i know you've been doing it for so long i mean i'm sure you've seen just a massive shift in um, just the perception and the and the reactions of uh, of the culture, especially at large. It's interesting you say that, um, and I'd like to spend a little bit of time on this because I was thinking this weekend. I've been working on some projects, and um, I remember uh, spending hours upon hours upon hours in a library. Um, Getting information and and pulling mm-hmm. books, you know, and and just spending and writing and and you know long form writing, just to research certain things. And and I remember in high school I hated it. Okay, absolutely hated. And, and then you know higher education, uh, okay, necessary evil. Now I love it. But but then the advent of the internet came about. And so much more knowledge, so much quicker. And what you just said, it just struck me. Um, the ability to, uh, I'm not even sure how you said it, but the ability to kind of uh, interpret or to realize that, wait a minute, um, some of the stuff that we've been taught is not the way, I mean, history's been revised, and you could see it right before your very eyes, and, and the occult origins of a lot of the information, or the uh, so-called history, is there for everyone to see. It laid bare yeah. uh, stuff that was previously hidden. So I think you're, you're onto something really deep and profound. 
yeah, it, it might come to a point where truly the divide in the world are those who adhere to this occult knowledge as um, part of uh, advancing humanity and those of us who are saying, no, that's sorcery, that's, uh, you know, you don't want to do that. Um, and uh, I really believe that, you know, the, the wheat and the tares type of thing, a situation can take place here where uh, truly this, because, uh, you know, you look at the book of Revelation and uh, just Bible prophecy in general, and there are a lot of things that seem pretty crazy, especially for most of human history, reading that kind of thing would seem like, uh, you know, it's, it's all fantasy, it's all mythology. Um, but as we have seen in this world, how uh, things change in, in the virtual environments and the digital worlds and uh, the uh, the things they're creating with nanotechnology, with intelligent matter, and, and just science fiction world, uh, those types of uh, the type of imagery that was dismissed as crazy could potentially be fulfilled in a, in a very realistic way. Um, oh, so, anyway, right. yeah. yeah, no, I, I think you're you're. Yeah, I think you're on target on that. And your YouTube channel, uh, folks, if you're not a subscriber to Gonza's YouTube channel, Face Like the Sun, I'd urge you to, to do so right now. I mean, he's got so much great content detailing, uh, in these own people's words, in their own reports, all these plans from, from artificial intelligence to, uh, transhumanism and everything in between. And he does a really good job of, of summarizing, uh, these events and, and content and putting, putting it together in a, uh, in a presentable, uh, fashion, which is awesome. And I learned a lot from watching your videos, Guns. But I didn't understand, uh, maybe I missed something here. I watched one the other day. Babylon's Fall, trailer, raw reactions. Is this a video game or something? It, yeah, it was a trailer okay. that was released during the uh, E3 conference a, f- a couple weeks ago, and um, I, I did a breakdown of it because I watched it, and I noticed that there was a lot of information in there that was just flashing real quickly right by your screen, so I thought, well, maybe I'll just record it, and, and I n- normally don't do that type of thing, and I think that's probably why it confused some people, but um, you know, I'm just trying to, to do different things and tackle different uh, subjects and stuff because... Uh, you know that's kind of where the people are at. There, there are a lot of people who are who you know are into E3 and gaming and things like that. And I think it's important to try to reach out to those folks in in one way or another with the gospel message, it, because uh, you know I don't know anybody else that it's that's really trying to do that in a unique in different way. So yeah, and, um, and one thing I learned is that you know we see the uh, futuristic propaganda that they put on the TV mm-hmm. and in the Hollywood. But they also have the, the, the prophetic propaganda in video games. So I'm glad that you did put that together. Cause I mean, they're using the stories of the Bible, misconstruing them, uh, to mm-hmm. fit, you know, the, their, their devil god as being the good guy. And then using these stories as storylines for video games and whatnot. So it's another way that they are kind of brainwashing the people who are engaged in this stuff. Yeah. Again, I think, I don't think when, when I earlier I mentioned occult knowledge, the explosion of occult knowledge, I don't think people realize what I'm talking about people that play video games and are immersed in it every single day and are immersed in that world i mean they to them they, i mean that might as well be doing sorcery i mean the 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 way they interact with the technology and the virtual worlds and uh, the information that they're gaining through some of the narratives and uh some of the the missions and and the various aspects it's it seems very subtle right and it seems harmless because oh it's just a game you're you're trying to solve a mission or solve a puzzle or something um, but uh, when you start getting into it, uh, people know. I mean, people have come to me and told uh, the one thing that I get constantly is people telling me to review video games um, because there's just so much of that in there. And, you know, one of the things that, that really bothers me that I've learned over the last six months is on YouTube. 
there are these channels that where these kids play video games on these channels, oh, yeah. and they have millions of people watching them live every single day. You know, when we used to be, when we were kids, uh, we would always be outside, but when when the weather didn't allow us to do so, or it was at night, we'd like to play an occasional video game, and we would always fight each other for the controller. Never did we want to sit back and watch somebody else play a video game. Now, these people don't even want to play games. You have millions of people watching other people play games. And these people, yeah. it's unbelievable. I mean, yeah, it's I don't get it's it. A, it's this, it's this, uh, this weird thrill people get uh, through living, you know, vicariously through other people, um, in this w- strange, again, this digital world. The, these screens that have been placed in front of us uh, has opened up uh, different worlds, different ways of communication, different uh, ways to interact with one another in different communities. And um, you know, I, I believe a lot of these types of you know thoughts and everything have been around for a long time. It's just a matter of you know once it's on a screen and it's a there's a central you know like a website or a community that's actually talking about it or discussing it, then it becomes you know somehow more tangible or more real, and people get excited about that. So yeah, I I, I don't know. It's it's a uh, it's definitely does, a phenomenon. That, does that go? Um, does that is that the same for these LARP? Uh, live action role playing games is that the same thing yeah yeah definitely i mean one of the things that was brought up with um what's the discussion again i don't i don't remember who i was talking to but they were discussing how with 5g technology uh they're bringing you know the the latency down to about 1 millisecond which is phenomenal i mean if you're playing, if you're a gamer you'd understand that, that that is incredible to have that uh that little latency from your you know <coughs> your triggering of whatever action to you know the the action taking place on screen and doing it is an important factor for gamers in online gaming especially because obviously if you're you know if you're shooting at a guy across the across the way and he has faster internet connection <laughs> your bullets are going to take a little longer to get there yeah. you know his might get you first so um I mean, but, you know. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, Guns. You know, we were talking about uh, the, the technology, and one of the very interesting Bible verses I like to go back to talks about there being nothing new under the sun, that all things that, uh, anything that's considered new has already been created and, and, and made and thought. So when we look at technology, uh, how does this apply? Was there a civilization before us that, that repeated the same exact thing, or is it not new because the Lord knew the beginning from the end of creation, since creation. You know, there are many theories on that. I've heard uh, people talk about how some of this was high technology, you know, in perhaps the pre-flood world, the antediluvian world. Um, But perhaps it wasn't through circuitry. It was through some other means, Um, you know, maybe energy control somehow. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't have enough knowledge there to really say, but uh, I do think that the types of um, cap- uh, capabilities uh, were very similar in nature because you know you look at the uh, Genesis 11 in, in the story of the Tower of Babel, and it clearly discusses you know God saying that they had one language, um, and then not only that, but uh, they were building a tower and to get into heaven. And one, one of the key things I always point out is that. You know, God said that nothing that they imagine to do will be impossible for them, and yeah. I found that interesting they're, that their imagination can allow them to do anything they want, and, and yeah. that is a clear message. The modern message of uh, the 21st century is humanity has the power to do whatever they want, 
and through transhumanism, through technology and science, you know, we will ascend, we will go to the stars. All, all the messages wrapped into this whole thing um, it seems to be similar in nature in that regard. And, you know, if, if anyone saw Ready Player One, which was a re- movie that came out recently, they talk about the virtual world that everyone is uh, sort of occupying called the Oasis. And the beginning of the film, it kind of talks about the Oasis with the narration of the main character. And he says, you know, you the, the the only thing that limits you in this world is your imagination. You can be anything, you can go anywhere, you can do anything. That is exactly what God was talking about <laughs> back in Genesis 11. So I find it very strange that perhaps, you know, the, the mechanical aspect of how things worked, I, I don't know. But well, in know, terms the, of the principles, it seems like the the truth of the matter seems, to, you know, the the reality of what's going on seems to be that that things are as they were in the days of Noah. And, and that's very well said. And we might uh, I don't know if we have time to get into this discussion really, but so the, when they built the Tower of Babel, they were building something that would allow them to traverse the physical uh, world into the uh, spiritual realm, into heaven. So obviously yeah. they weren't just trying to build a building, you know, into the sky. That wouldn't work. Right. So what right. was it that they really built? And and is it something like what we see with what CERN's doing? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. You know, it's uh, very interesting. I wish there was more content in there, but there probably isn't because we would have uh, reached this point much faster if there was more detailed information in the Bible. Right. Yeah. I, I think some knowledge is uh, just not meant for us to know. Uh, and, you know, that's part of the... the, uh, the, the Narrative that most people don't talk about as well as the, uh, the occult knowledge that was handed down to humanity uh, by the Watchers. So, a big topic that I mean, yeah. we, again, we don't have time to necessarily get into. Yeah, no, I mean the Book of Enoch that uh, a lot of that some people think should be part of the scriptures, others argue about, but that book describes a lot of what you're talking about, the how angels taught uh, men how to make weapons of war and, and women to make uh, uh, you know makeup and how to use roots for medicine and on and on and on. It gets very detailed, but uh, yeah, I mean, there there is so much we don't know. And like you said, you know, I wonder about that. Is there th- things that we are not supposed to know? And I came across some interesting research. Uh, there was a book, uh, I forget what it's, the name of it is called, but it's like the Devil's Bible, I believe. And it has all these rituals and spells and uh, ways that you can basically become, uh, you know, summon evil spirits to, to do your bidding and become rich. But it does say in there that basically the price of that is your soul. But, I mean, I wonder if that's what these people have been doing forever. Is this, you know, uh, yeah, summoning is evil? So. It has to be real. I, I, you know, and I think that, that the people that get caught up in that are people that are that are cynical to a fault. You know, that, that pra- the, the pride, their pride blinds them from the reality of what they're doing. And uh, they just think it's a big joke or it's just whatever. And, you know, and they conduct their business and there you go they're you know they, they cause harm to others and it's just not a good situation but yeah I, I i think you know again with this information with the internet uh making this type of knowledge more readily available uh and then you have to you have to think about again going back to hollywood and the influence they have over a whole society really uh you know, things like harry potter and i, I don't want to single anything out but th- those types of uh, movies and TV shows they influence people to want to look into this type of stuff because it's filled those shows are filled with this type of information and so uh, once they discover that oh they're talking about this kind of thing you know um, and, and they start looking into the realities of it uh, people get swayed by that so um, you know there, there's this 
uh, vacuum uh, happening uh, of reconsidering everything we've ever known type of situation with the internet uh whether it be true or not, I don't think it to be necessarily true. It's just, you know, we have more access to the information. It doesn't necessarily mean the information is accurate. Um, but it, it has caused this uh, vacuum, and a lot of people are filling that vacuum with what they perceive to be new information, but it's really just old occult knowledge. Yeah, and it's a con- it's a, like the scripture says, uh, always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Yeah. And, you know, the, the Gnostic texts, the Dead Sea Scrolls, all this stuff, the mystery religions, all of it mm-hmm. is the same in nature. It, it, it's not just, uh, you know, stuff outside of God. It, it's the worship of Satan at, at its core, the Freemasons yeah. and everybody else, you know, in these secret societies. When you go and read their own documents and whatnot, they all uh, lead to the same point. It, it's just Satan worship by, you know, basically uh, camouflaging it with a, a different uh, entity or whatever it is. But it's all yeah. Satan worship. Yeah, and I'll mention, you know, just bringing it back to the Red Pill weekend, um, the, the final lecture by G. Edward Griffin was excellent. Uh, he just laid out, uh, you know, some quotes from uh, the globalists and themselves, you know, what they plan to do. And it's pretty undeniable. They said it. They told everybody that, you know, people just don't pay attention. Um, and that was really fascinating to me that even Edward Griffin, you know, G. Edward Griffin, by, by the end of it was like, if you're not convinced now, I mean, can't really help you. You know, the information is there. Uh, so, you know, oh, hopefully yeah. people will start to dig in. Well, that, that's one of the biggest things about, you know, the occult, about the globalists, is that they, uh, the TV is a great indicator of this in Hollywood, too. They project the future to, uh, you know, on, in their, in their narratives and their stories that they tell. And one of the things, what, for whatever reason, that these secret societies do is that they do tell and, and publicly state their intended purposes and plans. It's, mm-hmm. it's more veiled than, uh, sometimes than others, but it's there if you look for it and if you look at those people involved in it. One of my favorite examples of this is Brzezinski or even Rockefeller in his memoir. He says, some, you know, accuse me and my family of being, uh, in a secret cabal working against the best interests of American, uh, the American people and economy. Well, if that's the charge, I stand guilty and I'm proud of it. Things like that. I mean, it, it's, there, every, I mean, history is riddled with, with these people's confession of their true intention to destroy the world. Not only that, to, to I'll try to destroy God in heaven. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating to, to, see the pattern once you start looking down those rabbit trails it always seems to end up with one satanism or at least a satanic philosophy or luciferian philosophy that's closely associated and and yep. and this this idea that christianity uh is is you know a problem <laughs> an obstacle um yeah and that's the common theme that seems to permeate through all of it so that, you know you, once you recognize that you start thinking well what is it about that message that is so offensive to uh, these folks and um yeah. yeah it's it's fascinating to see well gons we are uh we are out of time we're up against the break i wanted to ask you about the space force that trump was putting together uh what the purposes are of that but we'll have to have that discussion another time we'll have you back on face like the sun youtube channel go there subscribe check that out it is awesome content rich great stuff there can you cry uh newstalk.com as well and thanks for the great work thanks guys i appreciate the time all right thanks bud When we come back, Alex Newman will be our guest.
This is the Hagman Report for today, June 25th, 2018. I want to thank everyone for joining us, and thank you so much for your support of us. We really appreciate what you do, what you do for us. We, again, we could not do what we do without you. We want to thank you for that. We want to thank you for um, uh, for choosing to listen. You know, again, we understand you only have 24 hours in a day. You can only listen to so many programs, and, and, and we get that. So we want to bring you the best of the best all of the time, and, and that's our intent is to, to bring you the best of the best. And speaking of that, uh, oh, be, be, before I move on, you know, Pam Bondi, um, Saturday, in addition to Sarah Sanders, of course, j- just to kind of give you a, a, an additional uh, bit of information, uh, how things have really are playing out. Um, in addition to Sarah Sanders being asked to leave a restaurant, and then, of course, that that owner of that restaurant continuing, reportedly continuing the harassment of the group to another restaurant. It wasn't just about, you know, it just it's never about what they say it's about. It's about always so much more. But Pam Bondi, uh, three huge guys were screaming at her on Saturday, cursing her one inch from her face, spit on her head as she was leaving or as she was uh, making her way out of uh a movie theater on Saturday night, you know. So it's and again, it's getting bad. It it is bad. It's gonna it's gonna get worse. There will be blood in the streets. I'm telling you that right now. One of the uh, I, I really I'm really sorry I could not have made it to the Red Pill Expo. One of the gentlemen there, Alex Newman, journalist, educator, author. Alex Newman, he's an award winning international journalist, educator, author, and consultant. In, in addition to serving as a president of the small, uh, as as president of the small media and information consulting firm Liberty Sentinel Media Inc. By the way, that's a website there. Um, he's written for a, just a wide array of publications in the United States and abroad. He's uh, currently he serves as a foreign correspondent for the New American Magazine. He's a contributor to WND and more. So we are so so pleased to have with us. On this program, an attendee at uh, presenter at the Red Bull Expo, Alex Newman. Mr. Newman, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. I've been a big fan of the show for a long time. So, oh well, thank you. I'm a big fan of your of your work. You're you're also an author of a book. And forgive me, I don't. What's what's the title of the book, sir? If if you don't mind. No, not at all. Uh, the probably the most significant book I co-wrote was *Crimes of the Educators*: How Utopians are using government schools to destroy America's children. That's okay. I was trying to think of the name, and I apologize for not knowing the name of that. But uh, oh, uh, no problem at all. D- so that's available on Amazon, I take it, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's through Amazon. Uh, they've got it all over the place. I know Walmart was selling it online and pretty much any uh, major bookstore. Uh, at least they were carrying it some years ago when we released it. I think that was uh, 2016. Um, so, And I think there's now uh, the ebook available, too, for people who want to read it on Kindle or whatever, and you can get that right through Amazon. Tremendous! I know what book I'll be reading here in the next couple of days. Uh, Wonderful! Thanks for you know, thanks for that. Now, now you're you're a pro- prolific writer. New American, of course, features your work, as does other uh, other other locations. But um, 
again, just you were at the Red Pill Expo. Can you, can, if you don't mind, uh, give us an idea of, of what your topic was and uh, what it, it, kind of a synopsis of what you presented there for our audience? Sure. Absolutely. Um, actually, I, I wrote a uh, basically an entire special issue of the New American Magazine, uh, almost cover to cover, except the last word was not mine, uh, exposing the deep state. Uh, the, the title of the special issue is Deep State uh, Pulling Strings from Behind the Scenes. And so what I presented at the Red Pill Expo was kind of a synopsis of you know, this just massive work. And uh, I kind of, you know, I, I seized on the term the deep state just because it was entering the popular discourse, you know, Trump has been talking about the criminal deep state, and so, uh, you know, we've been fighting the deep state for, for generations, I mean, not me personally, but the New American Magazine since it's existed, the, the predecessor publications have been fighting this, and you know, all the way back uh, for 60 years now. So what I did was I divided the deep state up into different components, uh, you know, there's the obvious ones, the federal bureaucracy is an obvious one, the uh, so-called intelligence community, but then... Um, where I really put the focus, because, you know, everybody kind of knows at this point that the bureaucracies are out of control, that the intelligence community is perpetrating all sorts of crimes and trying to bring down the president. But the the bigger issue that, that I spent more time on was what I call the deep state behind the deep state. And so I spent some time talking about the Council on Foreign Relations, the Bilderberg meetings, uh, the Trilateral Commission, the Skull and Bone Secret Society, you know, they call it the Brotherhood of Death, uh, the Bohemian Grove weirdos that get together in front of their 40-foot stone owl and do, uh, you know, bizarre rituals where they claim to burn an effigy of a baby, you know. So just, you know, that kind of stuff, just giving people a, a brief picture of what's going on behind the scenes that the fake news won't tell you about and, uh, you know, really what we're up against. You know, these, these people very clearly, and, and I provided a lot of evidence, including video evidence, you know, just to, to allow people to hear it straight from the horse's mouth, that these people really do intend to build what they themselves identify as a new world order in which a credible United Nations will use its war making powers or peacekeeping powers, as they like to call it, to um, bring about the vision of the UN's founders. And we know who those were, uh, you know, the mass murderer Joseph Stalin, uh, his American agent, a convicted Soviet spy Alger Hiss, who served as the first secretary general of the UN. And so I just kind of tried to paint um, you know, a, a picture of the big picture in, uh, in the time that I, uh, that I had available to me. You know, that alone would have been uh, worth the price of admission, in my view, because it, really that's what it's all about. When it comes down to what we're seeing today take place, and um, in, in my view right now, we stand at the precipice of, of bloodshed here in America. And, and I think that's brought on by that deep state behind the deep state, the very entities you mentioned. Um, do you agree? I mean, or, or is is it more complicated than that? I mean, I, I understand there's a degree of complication there, but... Um, I think you're absolutely right. I, I okay. think that these people in the deep state, behind the deep state, uh, I think they want a war out in the streets. I think they want to see violence. I think they want blood running in the street. And they want the reaction that will inevitably come from that is people just begging for safety, for security, for order to return, uh, for the grocery store shelves to be stocked again. And that is where we're really vulnerable. You know, when, when stuff, one of their uh, mottos, you know, actually uh, one of the top ranked uh, Freemasons made this very clear. You know, order out of chaos, and uh, that is really how they operate. They love to create chaos and strife because out of that, uh, they try to control both sides of the debate or all sides of the debate. 
and then move us toward their desired goal, which they've already been very, very clear about what that is. Uh, you know, world currency, a global government, uh, the end of liberty, the end of America as we understand it, you know, a country founded on the self-evident truth that we're all all created um, equal with uh, inalienable God-given rights, and the government is established to protect these rights. I mean, they want all that down the toilet, and one of the easy ways to bring that about is to have, first of all, civil war and chaos in the streets, and second of all, international war. And they've actually said this publicly, too. You know, even going back to the 1960s, um, a very senior globalist did a report for the State Department for the Institute of uh, Defense Analyses. Uh, his name was uh, Lincoln Bloomfield, and he wrote a, a, a massive report called The World Effectively Controlled by the United Nations, where he explained that, hey, you know, the quickest way for us to get from where we are to a global government run by the UN is to use war or the threat of war. So they love chaos, and, you know, you're absolutely right, I think, that uh, we are on the verge of some very serious problems. We, You know, some of the examples you mentioned, I think, are perfectly illustrate the point. And where do you see it? And I, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but certainly you've evaluated this sufficiently um, and you've written about this extensively but where do you see where we are today where do, where do you see us going if, if well I got so many questions for example can, can we stop I don't think we can stop what's coming I, I just I just I can't see it I just see this out of control at this point Um I see today a lot different than a week ago, than a month ago, than 10 years ago. It's just a lot different. It's more incendiary today. Uh, where, where do you see this progression going if, if you had to provide a reasonable speculation, I suppose? And then I guess that's what I'm asking for, is for you to speculate sure. as to where this is going to go. Well, you know, I, I think you're probably right. Um, I, as best as I can tell, there is an agenda to crash the economy and to stir up as much strife as they can. You know, and, and I think we got kind of a sneak preview of that with, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter and the, you know, Antifa and the resist and the protests and the riots and the burning of the cars. I think that was really a preview for what they hope will come. And when you combine that with an economic catastrophe, and they have all sorts of ways, this deep state behind the deep state. I mean, you know, once you've studied this for a long time, you realize they control so many levers of power. You know, they dominate uh, international corporations. They dominate the privately owned central banks of every country, including our Federal Reserve. Uh, they dominate, you know, all sorts of levers of power. And so it seems to me that a likely scenario would be somehow either pulling the plug on the dollar, you know, whether that means ending the dollar as a global reserve currency or just, uh, you know, crashing the stock market or blowing up the bubbles that they've created and using that as an excuse to, uh, you know, first of all, demonize President Trump and, and second of all, to demonize the American people and the policies that they supported, basically saying no to globalism, saying no to the establishment, saying no to open borders, saying no to uh, massive and perpetual trade deficits with everyone, saying no to infinite debt, saying no to amnesty. You know, basically, they were will blame all of the best things about America and the American people for the economic collapse, and quite possibly President Trump as well. 
and use that as a pretext to kind of forever discredit conservatism, discredit populism, discredit anybody who stands against the globalist agenda. And you combine that with, you know, and when you have an economic collapse, we already, we've already seen what happens when you don't have power for a few days. You know, look, look at what happened in New Orleans after Katrina, for crying out loud. People shooting each other and looting and robbing and killing. And, uh, you know, imagine that on a national scale and realize that we are like a frog in water that's about to boil. So I think that's a very likely scenario. Now, whether we can stop it or not, I don't know. Uh, I think we've made incredible progress in, first of all, exposing them, and second of all, thwarting them. I think right now they are very, very concerned that the American people know as much as they do. Uh, it is my belief, and, and you know, I've, I've swung back and forth on this a few times, but uh, you know, after carefully considering all this for over a year and a half now, it is my belief that Trump was actually not a pl not part of the plan. I think they intended to have Hillary Clinton go in and basically have a mop-up operation after Barack Obama so that the United States would be fundamentally transformed forever. But, um, you know, I, I think they, they take these events in stride and they just reformulate their plans to take the new reality into account. And so I think there is a very real prospect that we could be heading into some massive turbulence here. And um, there's a very real prospect that we could come out on the other end uh, immeasurably worse off than we are today in terms of our finances, in terms of our liberty, uh, and in terms of our ability to resist this going forward. Yeah, that's very well said, especially with the, the rise of technology and the merger, and I'm sure Patrick Wood talked about this at the Red Pill Expo, the transhumanism aspect of this, where, uh, you know, without any care of the consequences, these people are, are marching us, you know, headfirst into this uh, intersection between, where, as Obama said it in 2009, is the intersection of, of uh, science and human rights. And that's exactly what, the, after the manufactured crisis or, or the collapse of a society, that would be the solution. Uh, so it would never happen again because it's all going to be computerized and everything's going to be controlled by AI and you'll be part of the AI and on and on and on. But those who, it's, it's what the Bible says about the end of the world. But you're exactly right. I feel like right now we are, are much closer to, uh, the possibility of some kind of event like that, catastrophic event, uh, economic collapse war, uh, because if these people, uh, they're inciting us so much. And if the violence doesn't happen naturally, well, they're going to incite it, and they're going to do something to get it kicked off. And, and we're at that point. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things I talked about in my presentation is that these people use false flag operations. These people uh, have been known historically to murder people by the millions. They have no moral scruples. And, um, you know, we should assume that they will use the most grotesque, the most disgusting, the most immoral, wicked tactics. And you're right. I think a lot of this does have to be seen uh, in light of what the Bible tells us is coming. And, you know, 2,000 years ago, uh, when John was writing about a time when, you know, a global system would be able to prevent people from buying or selling if they wouldn't take a mark, that must have sounded so ludicrous to people. You know, you can imagine somebody 2,000 years ago where you practically <laughs> never even been to the village, you know, 10 miles over, telling them, oh, yeah, somebody at some point will be able to prevent everyone on this planet from being able to buy or sell if they don't take a mark. That just must have sounded so outrageous to them. And yet now we are living in a world where that could happen tomorrow if the right set of circumstances emerge. You know, they're already pushing for the cashless society. They're already pushing for technocracy. We see the emergence of this in China, in Scandinavia, uh, and even you know coming here to the United States, where everything is controlled, and um, you know it, it is frankly um, a very serious battle that we're in. And you may be right; it may 
entirely be um, you know too late to do anything to stop this. That may be the case, uh, but in any case, I think you know everybody still has a duty to do the things that God has told us in the Bible that we need to do, which include you know what you're doing, uh, you know exposing and reproving evil. Ephesians five eleven. You know that's kind of my motto in my journalism is just you know I may not be able to stop this, but heck, I'm going to do what God said and I'm going to expose and I'm going to reprove evil all day every day for as long as I can. And uh, you know if it ends up that we lose and we all end up in camps, well hey, well at least we'll be all with all the cool people and we'll know we did the right thing. We'll know we did right by God and by our families and by our country and um, you know, I can die happy that way. Amen. Right. And, and you had said something earlier, sorry to talk over you, Joe, about China. Your last article at New American uh, brought forth, introduced a, a guy by the name of uh, John Bachtel. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Uh, it may be. I actually I don't know. I think I've always been calling him John Bachtel, but you may be right Bachtel? too. I really don't yeah. know. Well, it's interesting. The, the uh, uh, he is the the man behind the uh, Communist Party USA since its thirtieth national convention back in twenty fourteen, and, and you wrote extensively about uh, uh, him, uh, um, his. Uh, in China, top U.S. communist discussions about the New World Order. And I just, I found that article, uh, fascinating. What, what you've uncovered about, um, about him, American communists, you know, basically officially dropping the mask, joining forces, um, with, uh, you know, with the, uh, communist party elsewhere. It, it's just incredible what we're seeing. It's, everything's out in the open right now, it seems. And, uh, wow. it is. Yeah. The, the internet has really been amazing in terms of allowing people who are willing to look to find out what's really going on. And, uh, you know, this, this kind of, uh, synergy between American communist forces, you know, on the one hand, John Bachtel, uh, he, he was bragging in 2015. I wrote a very extensive piece on this. He was bragging about how the Communist Party USA, uh, to borrow his terminology, utilizes the Democratic Party as a quote unquote vehicle to advance their agenda in the United States. I mean, he, the way he wrote about it in People's World, which is the Communist Party USA's mouthpiece, uh, you would think that they basically ran the Democratic Party, and that might be somewhat of an exaggeration. I don't think they quite totally control it, but um, they retain so much influence there, and even the ones who aren't officially communists, you know, they're fellow travelers, that they believe very much the same thing, smash the family, smash free markets, surrender national sovereignty, open up our borders, merge into a new world order. So on the one hand, you have the head of the Communist Party USA bragging that he basically runs the Democratic Party. And on the other hand, you have him going over to China to visit the most murderous regime in the history of humanity uh, and, you know, just bragging, just celebrating about how he calls it a democracy. <laughs> you know, should tell us everything we need to know about <laughs> when they call for a, turning America into a democracy. But, um, you know, talking about how this government is going to own and run the new world order. And, you know, I've, I've been highlighting this trend for many, many years now, and they haven't even really bothered to hide it so much. As, as I pointed out in my article, uh, David Rockefeller, you know, uh, supposedly a, a super capitalist. This guy was on the steering committee of Bilderberg, one of the founders of the Trilateral Commission, uh, you know, one of the leading forces behind the Council on Foreign Relations, him and the other Rockefeller brothers. Uh, and then he went over to China in the early 70s. He came back and he writes in the New York Times that the social experiment under Chairman Mao is the most successful and important in all of human history. Uh, you know, no mention of the fact that it resulted in the murder of 80 million people. 
And uh, then even more recently, you have people like George Soros, who got his initial funding and, and started with the Rothschild banking dynasty of Europe, uh, talking about how China needs to own the new world order and that uh, they have a better functioning government than the United States. So they really are dropping the mask. And at this point, they have known communist Chinese agents. I mean, open members of the Communist Chinese Party. These aren't even secret agents or anything. Anybody can look at it and look at their CV and see that they're members of the Chinese Communist Party uh, running the key institutions of what they call global governance. Um, you know, Interpol is one that recently came to my attention. The head of Interpol, which is kind of the wannabe global law enforcement agency, um, is actually run by a member of the Chinese Communist Party. He was the vice minister of public security in China. Uh, you have all these UN agencies, critical UN agencies, run by and controlled by open members of the Chinese Communist Party. I identified at least five or ten of these international organizations run by communist Chinese agents in an article I did a few years ago about how China is staking claim in the New World Order. So that's what we're dealing with. We, I mean, if you want to know what the New World Order will look like, you can get uh, some inkling of what's coming just by looking at China. You know, mass murder, forced abortion, total population control, total information control, mass censorship, uh, disappearing, um, you know, total persecution of Christians. Christians, demolishing their churches, harvesting organs from uh, Christians and other dissidents. That's, you know, that's essentially the future if the American people don't wake up and stand up and say, no, we're not going to participate. And it may be too late. You may be right. It may all be over. But, um, you know, I still would argue we have an absolute duty uh, oh, yeah. to do everything we can to expose this. Yeah, and just allow me just to reiterate uh, to, to the people listening, by no means am I saying, well, it's over, so we should give up, take our ball and bat and go home. No, 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 no. No, we have to occupy. We've got to continue the fight, expose the the, the wiles of evil. And, and, and uh, you know, uh, so, yeah, it's our job because otherwise, how in the world can we look at our children or grandchildren in their eyes and say, yeah, well, here's what we're turning over to you. No. They won't be around if we, if well, we don't exactly. do nothing and if we're exactly. not effective. And, Alex, I want to ask you this. As somebody who works in the media, I... uh I'm very disturbed at the, <clears throat> excuse me, the huge number of people, the percentage of American people who are so uninformed and only believe what they are told by the mainstream media, having no interest in in doing any type of research in history, or in any type of current events to get to the, you know, get all the information of the story, and we see this is the segment of the population that believes. So many of these lies. Now, the, the media has been blatantly lying about President Trump and his followers, his supporters, his agenda, and these people are are are, are just soaking it up. What can we do to snap people out of that trance? Or what have you done in your career that has you found to be most effective? Uh, because it does it seems like facts and truth don't even matter anymore. If the if the truth is against their narrative and their belief system, then it still doesn't. It's not going to change our mind. But there has to be a way. There has to be something we can do to reach the down yeah. to these people. Yeah, that's a $500 million question right now. Thank you for asking it. And you're right. There is some segment of the population that continues to believe the false narratives and the false propaganda coming from the establishment press. Uh, thankfully, I think that number is getting smaller by the minute. And uh, what I've noticed is that it only takes one thing. You know, it only takes one major lie that somebody knows to be a lie for them to start waking up. Um, and, it, you know, it can be a different thing for everybody, but, you know, they might uh, try to overinflate uh, a protest, you know, and then try to make it look like something it wasn't. And someone who was there then looks at the media and says, oh, my goodness, that's not what happened. I was there. And, you know, I agree with the protesters, but that's just a lie. You know, how, how can they do that? And, you know, from that 
time on, something clicks in people and they kind of wake up. And so I, I've been very encouraged to see the polling data, um, you know, even from the fake polls that showed Hillary Clinton was going to win in a landslide. We see that the media is uh, losing all credibility with massive segments of the American public. Uh, I think among Republicans, uh, credibility in the press has now dipped below 15 percent uh, who say they even have a fair amount of trust in the media. Now, um, you know, some of our fellow Americans who identify with the Democratic Party and with the far left, uh, you know, I think they have a little more trouble getting over that and you know there's certainly this element of cognitive dissonance and I, th- I think a big part of the problem you know and I, I know this doesn't exactly answer your question but I think a big part of the problem is that they have not been trained how to think and uh, th- you know that the only s- real solution I see to that is a massive exodus from the government school system because what's happened here is the government school system uh, has been completely hijacked and completely weaponized and it is now churning out people who have no ability to think for themselves they they don't they're not able to use oh, yeah. logic and the normal methods that we have of uncovering truth and you know sorting truth from error and so that's a you know that's a huge problem and so that's why I've dedicated so much of my time and why I'll be dedicating so much of my time next year to just urging parents like hey you know I I know you know you went to school 20 years ago or 30 years ago and it wasn't that bad but it's not the same today anymore you have got to protect your kids from this indoctrination uh, they're Pumping out illiterates by the millions on purpose, and you know it's, that is such a massive hurdle to overcome that it really leaves people vulnerable to this false narrative put out by the media. Alex, we only, only got about one minute left, but I want to ask you this. And you said just said it perfectly. The it's not an education system; it's a system that controls and, and uh, reduces, I guess, the the uh, intellectual ability of children. When a hundred years ago, when when people who are in college today could not and cannot take a test from the fifth grade from a hundred years ago, what does that say about what the the true intentions and purposes of the education system are? The fact that we have not grown in intelligence with the technology that we've, uh, we've added. Regressed, actually. We've very much regressed. We're 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 basically uh, oh absolutely I don't even want to say the word but mentally handicapped compared to the average person a hundred years ago we are oh we absolutely are I don't think that's an exaggeration at all in fact you can look at any of the objective data sets even the SAT scores you know from the fifties sixties compare that to today we're in a situation now where the smart kids today are dumber than the dumb kids back in the (laughs) sixties and the objective data shows that and this is all deliberate and what it shows me is any parent who has a child in a government school is failing in their duty to uh, to protect and to nurture and to love and to and to disciple their children. And I, I know that sounds harsh, and I know a lot of parents out there are thinking, man, how can he say that? I love my kids. Well, you got to look into this. I mean, there's nothing more important than your kids, right? Get them Amen. out and do the research. So. Alex Newman, Alex, would you, would you would you come back with us, spend some more time with us, and uh, so we can get into some good, hot, and heavy topics at, at a future time? Absolutely, would you do that? I would love All to. Right. I'd be honored to do that. So, oh man, I'll tell you what, uh, we, we love your work. We appreciate everything you do. Thank you for who you are and what you do. And together and we fight. Mutual. All right, hey, thank brother. you so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Have right. a good night. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Folks, network break, back in three minutes. Third hour uh, this Monday edition of the Hagman Report. We are back on video as Tech Eric is back in studio. 
uh, he had an important event that he had to go to, which is why he wasn't here and why we were on audio. But coming up now is Peter Barry Chowka. He came on the Daily Show today, and we did a, an yeah, awesome interview. His therapist. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we did an awesome interview on the on the Daily Show today. So if you get a chance, go uh, check that out. I'm going to be putting it up on YouTube uh, probably tomorrow morning, so that will be up there. But Peter has a piece up on Hagman Report about the insurrection being here, and this is what we've been talking about throughout the whole show: the huge increase in the tensions politically. And this hatred against conservatives, against Trump, against the people who supported Trump and still support Trump. And they've been calling us Nazis. They call us white supremacists, bigots, on and on and on and on. And now we're seeing the, uh, it's, it's becoming more than words. We're, we're seeing I'm ready actual to rock politicians. And roll. I'm ready to rock. I, I, in fact, I'm going to go pick up Barry, Peter Barry Chalka. <laughs> I'm going to go pick him up and we're going to go out there and we're going to kick some, you know what? All right. I'm gonna, well, it's I'm, I'm gonna from, put him and his two cats. We're we're going. I'm I, driving. I mean, look, they t- they cancel Roseanne's show because of an offensive tweet that was a joke, the tasteless joke at that. But they cancel her whole show, which leaves about a hundred people unemployed uh, over that remark. Yet you have a- actresses and actors and news pundits uh, advocating for the killing of Trump supporters, the kidnapping of their kids. What what consequences do they have? You have Maxine Waters urging people to go and and hunt down and harass and get in their face, basically make it impossible for a conservative to live uh, in society, make it uh, so impossible that all the store owners say, you can't shop here, uh, you can't get your gas here, we don't want your kind here. Basically what you know this whole civil rights movement was about, there they, are... <laughs> creating the opposite circumstances and telling people to go oppress other people. Okay. It's insanity. When is the press pass going to be pulled from, for, from the media organizations like CNN and MSNBC that promote this? And when are these con- uh, Congress people when are they going to be charged? Inciting, viol- inciting violence going to be impeached and charged? Exactly. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that, that's what, okay. Because uh, that's where we're at. Either charge them or get the hell out of our way and we'll do it. All right, but it takes me back real quick to used to mention Roseanne and um, Valerie Jarrett, the the, the uh, left brain of Barack Hussein Obama, and um, uh, the starring role in what was that Planet of the Apes? According to Roseanne, uh, the, Valerie Jarrett was a mix between uh, a baby that was mixed uh, between Planet of the Apes right. and the Muslim Brotherhood. All right, well, whatever. But remember what Valerie Jarrett said. After we win the, uh, this election, this is back in 2012, it's our turn. Payback time. Everyone not with us is against us, and they better be ready because we don't forget. The ones who helped us will be rewarded. The ones who opposed us will get what they deserve. There's going to be hell to pay. Congress won't be a problem for us this time. No election to worry about after this is over, and we have two judges ready to go. Valerie Jarrett, October 2012. And... um just compound that into what we're seeing today. Peter Barry Chaka, HagmanReport.com, American Thinker as well. Peter and uh, Lulu and Biggie, of course, pulling up the rear. Peter just got done uh, taking a chow, a, a catnip there, you know, chica catnip, and he's ready to go, it's my understanding. Peter, how are you? Doug, Joe, great to see you. And uh, 
the timing's a little off. Oh, hey, uh, what's going on with the video there? Looks like you uh, got something over your camera. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm going to do a little adjustment here. It looks like the tape? wonderful Skype has switched to... Ah. No, I, it's I, on. Okay. Wait, I'm on video setting with the external camera. How come it's not showing up? Oh, wonderful. <laughs> See, I'm showing up the video on my Skype screen, but on your screen... Oh, there's a little... There, you there we go. Whatever you there did. There we go. There. Okay. Perfect. Professor As I was Peter. saying, uh, Biggie, we, we, we peaked too early. The catnip came too early, and Biggie has enjoyed the catnip, and I think he's split. So maybe he or Lulu will come back. Lulu is currently in another room watching Sean Hannity, her favorite show. <laughs> but um, I keep saying on these Mondays, that was the week that was, looking back, but this really was the week that was. And a number of people, including me, have said, I think we jumped the shark this week or we we really went into a, a new critical mass and I think we can talk about that but uh, you know in the last 10 days the issue that has been dominant in the mainstream media has been this fake news meme of the separation of the migrants from their children and just the use of the word migrants all of a sudden where did that come from of course it used to be illegal immigrants that word was used even by democrats until a few years ago oh yeah then it had then it had to be undocumented aliens or undocumented workers or some even said undocumented citizens some democrats said that then all of a sudden 10 days ago all you heard were migrants and this reminds me of, of the change of the word homosexual to gay or, or other word changes which actually have great meaning in terms of psychological operations. So now we've got the migrants. So in the past week since our last Monday's program, and by the way, when when I conclude Monday's program, I'm already thinking about the next one, collecting information, doing research, giving thought to how to put it together. So last week with all of this uh, migrant separation Nonsense. I was delving into that, and I prepared uh, a presentation which I thought would take up about half of my hour. And then uh, yesterday, it all changed. Yesterday afternoon, I was doing some research, and I saw a reference to uh, a demonstration, an ongoing demonstration of, of almost a week's duration in the People's Republic of Portland, Oregon, one of the if not the most radical cities in the United States. The place is a total loss. I mean, it might as well be ruled by Chairman Mao during the Cultural Revolution. That's how bad it is there. But uh, exactly a week ago, a group of... Uh, actually, there were the Democratic Socialists of America and uh, another group, which I mentioned in my articles. By the way, this led to an article which I uploaded and posted first at HagmanReport.com yesterday, titled something like, Insurrection is Here, How Long Do We Have Until Civil War 2.0 Starts? And uh, I, I talked I, about that on my morning program. Yeah, and then I further worked on the article yesterday into the evening and the early morning hours, fleshing it out, adding some new material, and that went online at American Thinker, at about uh, 4.30 a.m. Eastern Time this morning. And by the way, I, I wanted to mention here that uh, that article at American Thinker 
which is titled Insurrection is Here, How Long Do We Have Until Civil War 2.0 Starts? And then the subtitle is Organized Lawlessness is Spreading to Cities Across the United States, but the news is almost totally ignored and blacked out by the mainstream media. Now, that article, which um, I had to use some influence or pressure to try to get positioned properly there, turned out to be my most widely read article at American Thinker out of 135 articles since the first one, May 19th, 2017. Not the first article for American Thinker, but the first in this new series when I came out of... Wait, wait a minute. Uh, this, this one just today? Yes, and you'll notice it has uh, almost 800 and, well, 871 comments. That's almost 100 more than the highest number of comments I've ever gotten re- before. And I could tell by the way this article performed and also by what the editor told me uh, this morning that it was number one at the website all day. And I'm sure that when the stats are in, this will be my most read article Ever. Now, I mentioned that not to brag, but it's kind of a sigh of relief because as I've uh, shared with the audience in recent weeks, I've been frustrated with writing for online publications, mainly American Thinker, not including HagmanReport.com because that's a, a different, uh, a different uh, venue entirely and a very wide open one. But uh, American Thinker has brought to my attention the tyranny of uh, the rule of clickbait. It now comes into the forefront of your consciousness as a writer or an editor. Even before you start to write an article, you have to think, is this article, the subject, the presentation, the headline, is this going to be good clickbait? Because that's what it's come down to. Uh, but in this one, I felt that it was a, a genuine article. I broke some news. And because it, it really touched a nerve, it got the audience, and also the title had a lot to do with that. I wrote the title, the subhead, the entire article, and the editor did not change one word of it. So I lucked out, but lightning doesn't often strike twice in the same place, so I'll enjoy it while it lasts, which will be through the end of today. But anyway, uh, everything changed yesterday when I started looking into this Portland situation and it had been written about, well, first of all, it had not been, well, I should say what, what, what happened. Okay, last Tuesday, this group of radicals that like to create tent cities and camp out and take over public streets, uh, they started camping out in front of the ICE building, Immigration and Customs Enforcement Federal Agency building in Portland, Oregon. And on Tuesday, there were enough of them to harass and threaten the ICE government federal workers that were trying to leave work and go home. They surrounded their cars. They were verbally uh, assaulting them, and it, it could have gotten to a higher level, but DHS armed agents came in and escorted the employees out of there, but they have not been able to return since then. And in the meantime, the past five or six days, this mob which calls itself Occupy ICE PDX, PDX for Portland. That's the airport abbreviation. So Occupy ICE Portland, this mob, which now numbers hundreds of people, have created up a, 
have created a permanent tent city there on the sidewalks and the streets in front of and surrounding this ICE building. There they are in a, uh, a lie-in on a public street where there are other businesses, restaurants, and these vermin have taken over. And the left-wing... It's a Tartarish environment, in my view. Okay. The communist mayor of Portland tweeted. They talk about Trump tweeting. Well, this character tweeted to his police for them to stand down and not to bother these demonstrators as they frustrate the work of this federal agency, as they block traffic, as they inconvenience commerce in the area, as they steal or, quote, borrow everything that's not nailed down, like lawn furniture from outdoor restaurants, etc. You, you can't even believe what you're reading. Now, the only way I Do found out about this... we police feel, Peter? Well, they're standing down. And, uh, you know, the only the only way, well, it's, it's, it's a blackout. First of all, the mainstream media has not covered this story at all. Now, let me point out what's on the screen now. I'll, I'll jump ahead a little bit. Uh, unlike everybody else, and I've read all the articles, mostly in the local press, and there have been a few in uh, national online publications that have mentioned this action, uh, I went to the Twitter page that has been set up in the past week by this Occupy ICE Portland radical group. And here's where you get a real picture. The previous uh, shot was uh, ICE equals Gestapo. That's on their site. But then we have, yes, then uh, the next one is really the, the telling one. They have reproduced a graphic from Occupy ICE New York City because this is going on all over the country in cities all over the country and look at this it says no ICE because they want to they want ICE to shut down right and if the Democrats take over they're going to defund ICE no borders they want open borders and um, no prisons they want no prisons they want the prisons to let out the two to three million people in prison because most of them are people of color or minorities or illegal immigrants and let them run wild. This is what these lunatics are preaching. And at the very bottom, there is a, an obscenity, uh, which I, I censored on my, when I tweeted this picture because who knows, Twitter will shut you down for anything. Oh, by the way, I see Lulu has joined us here. I hope she's in the frame. Hello, Lulu. Um, and it basically says the F word, la migra. Now, migra is also an insulting word used by illegal immigrants to refer to United States Border Patrol or ICE agents. It's, it's like calling them the equivalent of the N word. So they are saying F U migra. This is what we're dealing with here. And Peter. So, the uh, Occupy Wall Street, they were the ones that last week tweeted out a picture, I think it was five cards, and each card was a step, and basically what it said was uh, how to stab and kill an ICE agent and cut his heart out, and, you know, step one. This this whole scene today, which again is nationwide, uh, it derives directly from the Occupy movement which came out of nowhere in the fall of 2011, as we remember. And in cities large and small around the country, I think there were more than a 100 of them, these ragtag groups of bums moved into city squares or parks or 
Wall Street in New York City and camped out for months. And of course, the reality, well, they were demanding, of course, uh, uh, they were calling attention to income inequality, and that really established that meme just in time for the 2012 election. The mainstream media was their best friend. But when the truth started to trickle out in alternative publications, these were nightmare situations with these mobs that camped in or camped out in, in public spaces between the uh, excrement, the rapes, the sexual assaults, the drug use, etc., it was a nightmare, but this is who's running this meme, which the media is now complicit in popularizing worldwide, not only nationwide, but worldwide. And so I, I got to look at this through researching this Occupy Portland group. Then I noticed it's happening in these other cities. And Portland is kind of the ground zero of this because it's the biggest one so far with hundreds of people. And these people are so well organized on the streets of Portland. They put out a daily briefing, which yesterday, Sunday, was six pages with instructions on, you know, come on down and join us. And this is what you should bring or this is what you should donate to us if you can't join us, uh, you know, to stay. Tents, uh, food, granola bars, bottled water, condoms, you know, you get the picture. And they mentioned at the top, don't worry, we've got free Wi-Fi here. They had somehow set up a free Wi-Fi center, so all the people there with their laptops, tablets, and phones can be uh, using social media to get the pictures and the videos out to other uh, cadres of like-minded radicals around the country who are planning and actually doing the same thing. So this was bad enough. You know, I got a look at this, and I said, okay, here... The police are standing down. They've been ordered to stand down by the mayor of Portland. And then I expanded this out to take a look at how this is just really the tip of the iceberg. I mean, we have known for years now that, in effect, there has been a stand down by police in left-wing Democrat-controlled cities. They have, like in New York City under Mayor Communist Mayor de Blasio there, as soon as he got into power, unlike his predecessor, uh, Bloomberg and Rudy Giuliani before him, who were friendly to the police and allowed them to do their work, de Blasio started tying the hands of police and ordering them not to harass, especially people of color, minorities, and illegal immigrants for the minor crimes they were committing, you know, drug use, shooting up on the street, dope smoking, dope dealing, prostitution, uh, minor misdemeanors, you know, minor burglaries, uh, breaking and entering, you know, that was, wasn't was at the felony level. So whole classes of crimes were suddenly no longer crimes. But this was kind of sub rosa. It was not admitted. But now, in the last few weeks, we actually have the admission by mayors and chiefs of police in some leading cities, for example, Austin, which I report on in my article at HagmanReport.com and at American Thinker, because this is where this is going. This is the real agenda here. Uh, the mayor of Austin has declared Austin, Texas, a progressive city, a, a not only a sanctuary city, but a free city. And he has literally put out the public order there to the police to go easy on and stop arresting, in particular, people of color, 
uh, minorities and uh, illegal immigrants. Why? Because there's a meme out there pushed by the likes of Eric Holder and his ilk that the disproportionate number of prisoners, people in prison and jail in the United States, which is actually majority minority, a majority of people in United States prisons and jails are people of color, so-called minorities, and illegal immigrants. So that's racist, according to these communists, basically, socialists, whatever, Democrats. So how do we solve this problem? We suddenly expunge previous crimes, and they're no longer crimes. Therefore, we don't have to arrest the people who are committing these acts that were previous crimes. Therefore, they won't have to go to jail. And an added benefit is that illegal immigrants won't get caught up in this legal dragnet. Therefore, they'll have a better uh, a, a better chance of remaining in this country because they won't be arrested for crimes. So this this is the agenda. It was spelled out in that graphic on the Occupy Ice Portland uh, Facebook page that we showed a moment ago. But the shocking thing is it's gone from the streets to the political power centers. Almost every Democrat out there is, is agreeing with this nonsense, just like they supported Occupy Wall Street and its uh, knockoffs around the country seven years ago. So this is what we're in for. This is who's this is where this impetus is coming from. It's a small group of dedicated socialists and communists, the hardest of the hardcore, basically dirtbags, degenerates, and bums, who have as their major ally now the mainstream media. It's unbelievable and unthinkable, but that's what's happening. When you look at the coverage of local Portland media, which is the only place you're going to find any real reportage on this because nobody else is covering it, the Portland media, TV, and newspapers are actually sympathetic with this crazy demonstration, with these street closings, with the people camped in on the, the sidewalks, and you know, with little kids. You see families with, with little children there, and, and, and they're demonstrating, they're holding signs, many of them obscene. Welcome to America in 2018. And... Uh, you know, I, I don't know where it goes from here, but it's 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 painful to have to report this, but that's the truth, and that's why this article trended today, and without even expecting, it was my most successful article in the last 13 months. And that's awesome, Peter. And you know, we saw this disturbing trend of uh, police standing down, which has been responsible, I believe, for the the death of at least one person in Charlottesville, but. At, in Berkeley, uh, twice when Milo Yiannopoulos and then there was somebody else that was going to come speak there, we saw riots happening in Berkeley and the police were told to stand down. They were told not to intervene. We saw this in Charlottesville where they even did a report afterwards. I forget who did a report, either the Department of Justice or uh, some other oversight body. But they uh, said that, yes, in Charlottesville, the police intentionally stood down as violence was taking place between you know these two opposing parties the police did nothing and which ultimately probably led to the death of of that lady and this is a a problem all i mean the selective enforcement 
has always been a problem. We look at that with the Hillary Clinton email investigation and her exoneration. Any one of us would be in jail for the rest of our lives if we did what she did. But the left, because they hold the seats in the in the judicial and in you know these high places of power and uh, police forces and whatnot, they're able to get away with it. They can you know say you know let this guy go while well, charge this guy for a hate crime because we don't like his politics. It's completely corrupt and upside down, and it's only going to get worse. It's only going to encourage more violence. Exactly, Joe. And and in fact, this is one of the points I was trying to make in my articles yesterday at HagmanReport.com and AmericanThinker.com. And I concluded my American Thinker with this sentence. In recent years, lawbreaking from the streets to the political suites no longer carries consequences for the preferred classes. Democrat politicians, high-level deep state bureaucrats, professional leftist and anarchist agitators and their fellow travelers, and now illegal alien invaders, period. I think that sums it up, and it's it's the bottom line, so to speak, of this big picture that we see, this gauzy, uh, emotional reporting on the poor migrant children separated from their migrant parents who are just here to escape tyranny in, their ho- tyranny in their homelands because they want the better life that America has to offer. All of it BS and all of it one of the greatest myths of our time. By the way, I want to switch gears before I forget really quickly and take a minute or less. So if I forget to do this, I'm going to uh, not be happy with myself. One week ago, I gave out an email address that people, viewers and listeners, readers of the Hagman Report could contact me directly. Previously, I engaged people on Twitter by direct messages, and that had worked out really well. But I thought there's probably folks out there who don't have Twitter or don't want to use Twitter. And so I gave my address, which I would like to repeat again and invite people as well to feel free to write to me, send me an email, send me pictures of your animal companions and I'll try to answer everyone. The address is Peter at HR. That's Peter A-T-H-R with the symbol at Outlook.com. So P-E-T-E-R A-T-H-R HR for Hagman Report. Symbol at Outlook.com. I got two and a half dozen emails. Every single one of them I get emotional when I think about this because every single one of them was fantastic. And they all came from the extended Hagman family. It's been a long stretch here. I had about three hours sleep last night, and on the one hand, I'm exhausted. On the other hand, I'm really fired up. No, n- n- no apologies necessary, and, my brother. And I got, I got several, just like on on direct messaging on Twitter. I've made a number of friends, but I've made a smaller number of very close friends and uh, information companions. We share information. We share what we're doing with our lives. Uh, but these people are smart. They're mostly Christians, of course. 
they're really, really good people. And similarly, good people have approached me through the email. And it's just really been fantastic. I, I can't praise it highly enough. And it, it's a real gift because as a writer, when you're just writing for a publication, even when people have the opportunity to post reader comments, the writer doesn't really have an opportunity to engage with them because you're reading the comments. I mean, maybe if you're brave enough, you can post a reply to their comment, but few writers actually do that. And, of course, you're prone not to give an email address on an Internet uh, online publication because you're really going to get hit with it then. But this giving this address out uh, as my Twitter address has been kind of to the closed loop so far of the Hagman extended family. And it's a wonderful group of people, which you guys well know because you hear from them too. But now I'm hearing from them. And it's like completing the circle of making it real and also giving me insight into real people, who they are, what they believe, what they feel. And I'm picking up the vibe from them, echoing what I'm feeling that, you know, How much longer can we put up with this until we or the country or something snaps and it goes really, really bad? And you now have, in fact, I would like to recommend that people who want to get a real look at the Vox Populi, at what an intelligent audience is thinking, go to AmericanThinker.com before this night is over. And right at the top of the features column on the left is my article. And take a look at some of the reader responses. There are almost 900 of them now. And they are incredible. They're incredible because, well, in addition to their being intelligent, thoughtful, sensitive, and informational, information sharing, many of the people there, I'd say about one quarter of them, are now talking about what do we do next? Is it time for us to reach for our weapons? Is it time to lock and load? Is it time to go on the offensive, because if if we sit here like sitting ducks, it's going to end badly. I mean, this is where it's going at a serious, high-level, conservative, traditional publication, which had nothing like this even as recently as one year ago. This is how bad it has gotten in the last year. And I would say again, who? well, we have a lot of people to thank I use that word advisably, for this situation. But one in particular, I think, stands above the rest, and his initials are B-H-O, or B-O for short. The legacy of Barack Hussein Obama, Barry Satoro. And you know, the people laughed at us, uh, Peter, when we spoke about vetting him back in 2007, 2008. He's a communist Muslim. And, and, and this is his legacy. It's a legacy of corruption. It's a legacy of division. It's a legacy. It's a legacy of, of hate. Yeah. Hate. Yeah. And many- violence. He's brought us to the edge of a civil war. Well, he and his ilk, he had the ability, uh, at a minimum, to appoint about 10,000 people to the deep state bureaucracy from cabinet level on down. And the ones on down are still there for the most part. And we can see now we're, we're starting to get a much clearer picture than we had as recently as six or 12 months ago of the dirty work that these people have caused at the FBI, the Department of Justice. I mean, the FBI previously 
a uh, largely squeaky clean organization. Even the in the era of J. Edgar Hoover, I would argue they were doing some good work to protect the national security of this country and to call attention to and monitor the communist threat wherever it occurred in the 1950s and 60s. But look at the FBI now. Look at the Department of Justice now. I mean, there was an attorney from the Department of Justice who was part of the Democrat Socialists of America mob that attacked Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen when she was eating in the restaurant in Washington, D.C. last week. A Department of Justice lawyer was among the mob that was getting in her face, screaming at her. And the news uh, reported that they were just those random, spontaneous American people. Right. Right. Well, just like you pointed out, the reports now of the uh, after effects, after Sarah Huckabee Sanders was asked to leave the Red Hand restaurant, and some of her party, most of her party, went to a nearby restaurant, and the co-owner of the Red Hand and some of her... Uh, Associates followed them over there to harass them there. These people are well organized. It's not accidental how, how they act, how they behave, how they carry on. They've mobilized social media. They've mobilized networking. Uh, the ascent to, uh, primacy of the cellular smartphone has helped them. That's a weapon in the hands of these people and we better learn how to use it equally as a weapon or we're going to be uh rolled in this what should we do i mean uh, peter look i i i'm to the point where i'm gonna arm up you know um you should hear my fair I, I, but i want to know what this is what this is do? what people read the comments at american thinker they people there are saying it much better than i can many of them have uh, extensive experience with personal protection. I don't happen to. Uh, th- there's a variety of opinions there, and I think a lot of it is really sound and important. I mean, I don't feel qualified to really comment on that score, and I also feel less and less qualified as time goes on here, as the days go on, as the hours go on, to make any kind of, of predictions. I mean, I, I'm just holding on to uh, my seat here trying to report what's happening and then we can maybe make a prediction for the next 24 hours but God knows where this is going to go I mean right now there's a raging debate uh, there was a, an article in Politico today that Drudge linked to which uh, got into the area of uh, who's right in predicting what's going to happen this coming November with the elections is it going to be a, a blue wave or is it going to be a surprising red wave, as we saw in 2016, which took most of the talking heads by surprise? Now, we, of course, hope and would like to think that it's going to be a red wave, but God only knows until we get there. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if I could take a little time. I mentioned that I had prepared something that I wanted to look back historically and try to hopefully provide a little insight into, uh, or that would shed some light on what's happening now with this guilt trip psyop meme about the migrants and because by the time next week rolls around if I don't do it now we'll probably be beyond to a, beyond to a whole new uh, psyop meme so I'll, I'll try to summarize this brief, briefly and uh, I went into the, the history of the civil rights movement starting in the 1950s and it actually began before the 50s but 
I came of awareness in the 50s at a very early age when I was still in grade school. And I actually uh, covered some of these events and some of the people. I've mentioned before that uh, I went to a speech given by Reverend Martin Luther King on November 30th, 1964, when I was a freshman in high school. I recorded his speech. I have the only tape recording of that speech. It was the last speech he gave in the United States before he left for Europe to uh, accept the Nobel Peace Prize. I took photographs of him. I shook his hand. I put my microphone on the podium. I was right up there on the stage running my tape recorder. So I was interested in the civil rights movement. In fact, I was largely uh, sympathetic with it at that point. But of course, now we have 2020 view of history where we can look back. So just to to summarize it briefly, there were two people basically who gave us the successful mainstream civil rights movement of the 1960s when it came into full flower and wound up with major federal legislation. One, of course, is Reverend Martin Luther King. The other, much lesser known, is an individual named Bayard or Bayard Rustin, 1912 to 1987. Rustin was the principal organizer. He was the brains, the organizing brains behind the 1963 March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, August 28, 1963. That's where King, Reverend King, gave his 17-minute-long I Have a Dream speech from the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, and that increased his public awareness considerably, especially in retrospect, of course, in the light of the history as it's being written now. So who was Bayard Rustin? Well, he was a homosexual. He was arrested numerous times uh, throughout his life when homosexuality was illegal for uh, consorting with male prostitutes or picking them up in public. He was a member of the Communist Party of the United States at least until 1941, he said, when he would have been 29 years old. He helped to organize the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, which was Reverend King's organization, so really the brains behind it was Bayard Rustin. He also influenced Stokely Carmichael, who was the uh, rabble-rouser in the 60s behind Black Power. He was a little younger than King and uh, more radical appearing, and uh, he later changed his name to Kwame Toure and became a pan-Africanist, you know, pro-Africa, go back to Africa. Uh, now, Rustin became an honorary chairperson of the Socialist Party of America in 1972, and I found this interesting. Around 1977, when Rustin was 65, he met on the street and immediately hooked up with a 25-year-old homosexual man, and uh, they stayed together for the next 10 years until Rustin died. Now, Reports are that they wished that they could marry, but of course, uh, same-sex marriage was, you weren't going to get anywhere with that in 1982 when they wanted to do this. So Rustin in 1982 was, I guess, uh, 70 or 71. His boyfriend was about 30. So, get this, instead of uh, getting married, which they couldn't do, or just pledging themselves to each other, uh, Bayard Rustin officially and formally adopted his boyfriend as his child. Hmm. Now, isn't that an interesting and novel take 
Gee, who would have seen the that homosexual coming? lifestyle, right? I mean, uh, you know, an interesting movie script could be written about that. Now, our favorite president, Barack Hussein Obama, I say, I miss Tom, him so very much. much. <laughs> Sorry. He, uh, he posthumously awarded, fired Rustin, the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which is the highest honor, civilian honor, that the federal government can bestow on an American. He gave him that medal posthumously in 1913, in 2013, in the White House. And who accepted it on Bayard Rustin's behalf? His uh, boyfriend, really? who is now in his 60s. I didn't realize so, that. Okay, that, that, that's some, I did not realize that that took place. The highest medal. Uh, right. uh, well, Obama gave a lot of those out to what you yeah. might say are questionable individuals. But now I want to run ahead here to the other individual, Martin Luther King. And uh, I have a hard time calling him Dr. King. I will call him Reverend King. But his doctorate in philosophy from Boston University was investigated by a select committee in 1991. This was widely reported in the New York Times, the Boston Globe, and elsewhere. And it was ascertained that he had plagiarized the thesis that he presented on behalf of his doctorate, which ordinarily would have resulted in uh, a, a person with a doctorate, living or dead, being stripped of that doctorate. But the investigating committee said, uh, we see no reason to withdraw his doctorate posthumously. So, of course, he's still referred to as the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. But in any case, uh, oh, this is an interesting factoid. In 1968, right before Reverend King was assassinated, obviously an event that all of us can be shocked and, and sorry that it happened, uh, you know, any political assassination or murder of any kind is is a sickening, disgraceful crime, as it was with Reverend King, obviously. But a little bit before his assassination, a Harris poll found that his approval rating was less than 25%, and his disapproval rating, that is nationwide, Americans, was 75%. Now, that is, of course, a higher disapproval rating than President Trump has right now. But, of course, over time, Reverend King... His reputation has been smoothed out and uh, hagiography, inflated biography, has been applied to him so that today his holiday uh, on or around his birthday, I think January 15th every year, is more popular than President's Day. And in fact, the birthdays, national holidays of Washington and Lincoln, as we know, were rolled into one in order to make the holiday in 1986 for Reverend King, and he is now the only person, I believe, who has a holiday, United States federal holiday, in his name. Now, in 1952, uh, the not-yet-Reverend King wrote a letter to his future wife, Coretta Scott, and he said, and this is a quote, I imagine you already know that I am much more socialistic in my economic theory than capitalistic, end quote. One of Reverend King's most trusted advisors was New York City lawyer Stanley Levison, a former member of the Communist Party USA. Another King lieutenant, Hunter Pitts O'Dell, was also linked to the Communist Party by sworn testimony before 
the House Un-American Activities Committee, HUAC, which is demeaned by leftists, historians, and the mainstream media, undeservedly so, in my opinion. In his speech to the Negro American Labor Council in 65, King declared that, quote, something is wrong with capitalism and suggested that, quote, there must be a better distribution of wealth and maybe America must move towards a democratic socialism, end quote. Reverend King at one point called a one of the riots that occurred in the 60s where blacks would uh, get angry and riot and shoot, kill and burn down blocks of buildings. He said, quote, the riot is the language of the unheard, end quote. By the way, this is remarkably similar to some quotes that one of the online publications uh, I read today dug up about Maxine Waters when I think actually recently she looked back at the 1992 L.A. riots in the wake of the Rodney King uh, trial of the police officers who, who uh, manhandled him. And uh, Maxine Waters made a, a similar uh, whitewash of the uh, 1992 L.A. riots. Now, interestingly, the first thing that you find if you Google Martin Luther King, the words Martin Luther King and communism, what comes up are a bunch of articles like at the Washington Post which basically claim any connection that you attempt, that's been attempted to be drawn between King and communism is false. It's fake. It's absolutely disgraceful. And it's a rewrite of history. They, of course, don't mention anything like I've quoted here. And by the way, some of these quotes, all of which I have validated, that came out of the mouth of Reverend King, some of them are at left-wing socialist websites that are highlighting these quotes and saying, isn't this great that Reverend King was one of us? He was, he was a socialist, if not a communist. He was a redistributionist. So this is the man who um, our country, especially in retrospect, has made the number one hero out of. I remember reading that there was a, a poll or, or a study of the knowledge of public school children in the United States. And I, I looked for this reference. I've been unable to find it so far. But I know I'm correct in this memory because it really stood out to me at the time fairly recently. And it, it said that among American public school children, I think something like 97% knew who Reverend King was. They could identify him. They knew something about him. You know, they knew his wonderful history as taught to them. And uh, I think the next closest name was uh, Abraham Lincoln, who was down in the 60th percentile. So isn't that interesting, especially as the... Uh, multicultural revisionist history now is denigrating the founders, the first presidents, you know, they're they were white. They were terrorists. Racist slaveholders, you know, let's take the names, uh, their names off of schools and substitute a more worthy person like Barack Hussein Obama, you know, or Cesar Chavez. So, this history, I think, which you're not gonna you're not gonna find anywhere in the mainstream, and you can find it online if you go looking for it. And of course, you have to be careful because there are 
unfortunately, racist websites out there that will denigrate Reverend King and others in ways that are over the top. I mean, he, he doesn't deserve a lot of the names that he's called. I mean, he, he's a figure of history. He was a great orator. He was apparently a great writer when he wasn't plagiarizing because some of the things that he actually did write on his own has stood the test of time. You know, he, he was an intellectual and he was a bona fide reverend with a real church and a real uh, constituency, a real flock. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a nuanced picture. But and he did have a, a very inspired message too, Peter. Uh, you know, when yes. he was a, a great pastor and when he incorporated, uh, you know, some of the biblical teachings into the current struggles that they were going on, that were going on uh, with his movement, it's very moving stuff, even if you go back and listen to it today. And, uh, Absolutely. Well, yeah. and I have, I have, in fact, one of the most valued things in my possession is my original tape recording, audio tape recording of Dr. King on November 30th, or, excuse me, Reverend King on November 30th, 1964, which I apparently, based on my research, had the only complete recording of that's extant. And, and when I pass on, I will uh, donate it to the King Library because uh, I can't do anything else with it because all his words have been copyrighted. So uh, if I even want to quote from it, uh, I could be sued for copyright infringement. So I, I will just donate it when the time is appropriate to the Martin Luther King Library. But no, he clearly is a, a historical figure. He was a man of faith. He preached uh, a peaceful nonviolence, although, of course, he had these other beliefs that were sub rosa, but, you know, publicly, uh, he, he made a positive impression. And it also suggested, as I was mentioning on the, the Daily Show earlier, Joe, that in those times, in the 50s and 60s, it's overlooked or forgotten now, now that religion and Christianity or the Judeo-Christian ethic has been largely expunged from public life and popular culture and even academia. It is forgotten, overlooked, or uh, negated that the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 60s was driven and powered by the Christian church. It was largely white and black pastors, reverends, priests, and rabbis from the Jewish faith who came together and uh, marched, um, faced the brutality of the racist uh, police in the Jim Crow South, put their lives on the line in many cases and got beat up, jailed in the process. And they were constantly espousing and articulating a, a Christian, nonviolent, love thy neighbor perspective, which had a lot to do with winning over uh, America. And finally, just to wrap this up with a bow, uh, there's not enough time to really explore this whole thing, but uh, the, the downside, in my opinion, of the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s, putting aside for the moment the good that it achieved and accomplished, is this guilt-tripping meme, which was also part of it, not necessarily, not necessarily at the hands of King and his people, but of the socialists, the communists, the globalists, uh, whatever you want to, whatever label you want to put on these people who were operating at that point. And they worked diligently to use the mainstream media of the time to instill in primarily Caucasian Americans of European heritage this sense of complete 
guilt and responsibility for the plight of the black American in the 1950s and 60s. You know, guilt even on the part of white Americans whose uh, immediate ancestors may have recently come over from Europe. I mean, they, they had nothing to do with 1800s America when there was slavery. And since only, I think, 1.8% is it of Southern Americans own slaves uh, during that period, you know, what, what was there really a reason for this guilt going back a century or now a century and a half? And, and the point is that this guilt, just to, to finish this thought, this guilt tripping has been reinforced now uh, orders of magnitude by the takeover of academia, public education, the popular culture. I mean, it, sometimes it seems to me that PBS, the public broadcasting system, is the key propaganda outlet for this guilt tripping. It seems like 90% of their documentaries that they still do or nonfiction programming is about the terrible things that went on uh, for people of color in this country and how guilty we should feel. And then these productions are shown to school children. You know, they're non-commercial and this is helping to teach them the school books and even at the academic level of, of universities, black studies programs. This is what they're instilling. So when we see what's going on at the campuses today, when you see these black, uh, I would say racist in many cases, rabble rousers who obviously denigrate white people and want white students to bow to them and admit guilt and, uh, you know, white privilege and, and kowtow to this insane guilt-tripping meme. Well, what has been used for this migrant issue that's come out of nowhere? The same guilt-tripping, except this is like a micro example of it, and it's telescoped into, at this point, a 10- or 11-day period. It actually started 10 days ago, as we're speaking now, on June 25th, 2018. It started, I think, on June 15th, the day after the IG report yep. on the Hillary Clinton investigation came out. So that wasn't even covered by some of the major networks. I think NBC gave it no coverage on the NBC Nightly News. But when this migrant separation family issue came out, suddenly it was the entire newscast as well as 100% of CNN to this day. I mean, they, they really feel they've got their teeth into something now. Or they've thrown something at the wall and they think it has the potential of sticking. We shall see. Well, Peter, but it's based on guilt. You mentioned the IG report. And I want to ask you this. Uh, we were anticipating the uh, findings in that IG report for, what, eight months? And mm -hmm. anticipating the release heavily every day for, you know, well, that's three, four months. 500 pages of information. It even makes a reference of an FBI agent's notes where it says that the uh, in, in Hillary Clinton investigation, and it mentions something along the lines of uh, crimes against that she committed against children. But back to the IG report as a whole, there's so much information in there, and it received basically no coverage. And then the, the spontaneous manufactured crisis of children uh, at the border was was brought on to the and given to the public. And now we see this Maxine Waters, this whole. Uh, thing about, you know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders and the, the outrageous uh, liberals, and that's been dominating the headlines. 
Is the IG right. report gone? Is it ever coming back into the headlines, I, or is it's it? gone? It's gone in the ma- it's gone from the mainstream. Yeah, I mean it's it's grist for the mill for those of us who have the time, the energy, and the inclination to delve into it because it's it's a gold mine of information. Even though it, it has been sanitized and redacted, and a, a an executive summary slapped on it, which is fake. You have to delve into the primary source material there, but. You know, I'm sure articles will continue to be written. Maybe books will be written. And but like many of the other things that have come and gone, the Nunez memo, which we were all talking about months ago, that came and went. Uh, all of the revelations since then. I mean, there was a report today, and I believe the Daily Caller about uh, the, that Pakistani family. Did you see this? Like, it's a new revelation of how. Uh, these Democrat members of Congress are up to their eyeballs in complicity with what uh, those characters were doing, the ones who had access to the uh, emails and the servers of, of the Congress. You know, the Iran brothers, yeah. The Iran brothers, right. Uh, amazing revelations, but are these things going to break through? I don't know. Meanwhile, as you noted, Joe, the next level of uh, now violence, the call to violence has been issued by leading respected Democrat politicians. Maxine Waters, whose entire life has been spent working for the government. She started in, I think, 1972 with her first job in 1976. She's elected to the California legislature in 1990. She is elected to the Congress. And there she is today at age 79. They're going to have to carry her out, you know. And and when she's finished. And, and it's what's coming out of her mouth is uh, it, it, how do you even describe it? Yeah, and, and she's been off the rails uh, for a long time now. All she can talk about is impeachment and uh, you know getting rid of. Well, Donald it's gone Trump. from impeachment to now uh, aggressively encouraging or, or encouraging yeah. aggression on, on the part of people who hear her message, and those people can run the gamut from peace-loving people to people who are prone to violence or who are mentally unstable. So. You know, God help us when she opens her mouth and she doubled down today at the press availability she had, uh, I think around 6 p.m. Eastern time. She didn't take back any of the comments she made in Los Angeles on Saturday. A disgraceful performance. And, but you know, the rest of the Democrats, even the so-called more mainstream ones like Kamala Harris and the others, uh, they're right there with her basically. You know, they're, they're issuing the dog whistles that their flocks are hearing and, uh, Again, we better watch out. If any of them get their hands on power, we're going to have to run for our lives, I think, in order yeah. to save our butts. You know, when 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 the next uh, president is is elected after Trump's term is over in 2024, if he wins re-election, I'm afraid if we're still uh, a country, then that we are going to see the revenge of the left by the leadership mm-hmm. that they install, and that's going to be unlike anything we've ever seen, more horrific than we can even imagine, Peter. We are out of time. I want to thank you so much for joining us again. It was a great hour. And, folks, if you want to listen to The Daily Show, Peter was on with us today with me and him, and we had a great discussion um, just about what we were talking about today uh, in, in different details. So, Peter, thank you so much for uh, both interviews, and thank you for your time tonight. Thank you, Joe and Doug. Always a pleasure. Well, that will do Thanks it for us. Night. That will do it for us tonight. We will be back tomorrow. Uh, we've got a great week of shows lined up for you. Listen to the Doug Hagman radio show, the Hagman Daily Show, and then here at 7 for Hagman Report. Have a good night, everyone.